My people, my people, it is time to roll here with another fun little gathering of friends, gathering of family. That's why I decided to call this new extension of the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, hashtag racing family. So we got our, we got a name for the show. My man, my co-host, my brother, Chris Wheeler, we're in agreement that hashtag racing family seems like a perfect name for this I don't know, is it weekly gathering more than once? I know that I have two of these planned for tomorrow, Chris. I also know I probably haven't told you about those, so uh, I'll get to that in a minute here. But tell us uh, tell us what's happening in your world, Mr. Wheeler, once you uh, join in here as the co-host. And since we're not a big fan of, uh, of Dead Space, we're also going to, oh, we got Wheeler. He's logged in. We're, we're super happy here. Uh, Wheeler, take the reins. And I'm also yes, going to invite our episode-long co-host, Kyle Kirkwood. Well, Marshall. Oh, we're already failing. We're already failing. You're at Disney. You go find some good Wi-Fi. Come on, man. What are you doing? You're falling apart on me here, Wheeler. Okay. Uh, Mr. Kirkwood, since our mutual friend, Mr. Wheeler, is officially doing a dumpster fire here on us to start the show with some spotty Wi-Fi at Disney World or whatever it's called there. Why don't you unmute yourself and say hello, young man, uh, after completing your very first NTT IndyCar Series race. How are you doing? How are your hands? How are the blisters doing? Uh, they're, they're doing all right. You know, they're still here. I actually just started playing with them. I took a razor blade to a couple of the blisters just to get some of the fluid out because I'm back on track day after tomorrow and it's going to be around. It's going to be my first speedway test. So I'm looking forward to that. But first of all, I want to be sure I can turn the wheel when I get to Texas. <laughs> I would highly recommend being able to turn the wheel at Texas. <laughs> So we're going to get into St. Petersburg here, talk about the race, talk about lots of stuff. But since you mentioned it, uh, why don't you tell folks what you are doing and what other rookies are doing here, uh, what, Wednesday, I think it is, uh, Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, You're not getting to rest after St. Pete. Nope, nope. We're going straight to Texas. Uh, The guys loaded up yesterday after after the race. Um, Trucks took straight off back to Houston. They're going to be in the shop all day tomorrow preparing the car to go to Dallas, Fort Worth, to go to Texas Motor Speedway. And that's going to be our rookie test um, on Wednesday. Weather's looking perfect. It's going to be like a high of 70, kind of in the 50s early in the morning. So the track should be hooked up nice and sunny. Perfect conditions for us to be testing on. So I'm looking forward to it. So tell me about yesterday. Tell me about What's going inside? What's going on inside of your head? Uh, are nerves a factor at all? Getting ready to do your very first IndyCar race, and not from starting from the back, Kyle. Right? That's that's almost the easy thing. Like, hey, you guys go off into turn one, and I'll get there, and you know, uh, I'll just play it safe. No, no, no. You're starting twelfth, deep, deep into the field. Tell me about thoughts and feelings strapping into that number fourteen rocket Chevy. Yeah, you know, it was great. I mean, the entire weekend, there's almost no time, which I've learned now after this weekend, there's no time to really even think about your nerves or anything like that. You're just doing everything as fast as possible. You barely get any time to do any kind of debrief. So 
all your thoughts have to come out in a few minutes. That way um, you make sure the car is right for the next session because being drugged to media events and, and all these meet and greets and whatnot. And then you go straight into the race. We were driving around on the, on the parade bus and then we got off the parade bus and was pretty much running straight to the car to start putting our stuff on. Um, so there was never a time for me to kind of just relax and think about how the race was going to play out. So I, I really didn't get that nervous. But, um, I mean, once the race starts, I mean, it, it's kind of surreal when you start the race and you got all these exceptional drivers around you. I had Pato behind me. I had Graham right in front of me in the star, which I actually nudged him in, in the beginning. He, he was, they chose to go to run on the black tires to start, which was <laughs> not the most common strategy. I think everyone wanted to get on the reds and get off of them. And I think everyone was kind of expecting a caution early on. And that just didn't happen. Um, so it, it was a little bit strange how, how the race was cautionless, except for the one that we had when Malukas tapped the wall and actually moved it. And that was a, an extremely long caution, um, which definitely hurt all of us that were on that three stop strategy. It, it helped everyone on the two stop, but, um, I mean, nerves, there, there wasn't that many nerves. I was just, um, happy to be in that position and just wanted to go forward. Yet it, it was just so tough around, around there to pass. Um, I think I spent pretty much the entire time behind Newgarden. and there was times I was quicker than him and I couldn't get by him. And there's times that he's quicker than me and he was able to pull away while we were saving fuel. So I think overall, we're super happy with, with what we were able to do as a team in our first weekend, everything was executed properly. All of our pit stops were perfect. I don't think we ever lost time to any of the guys. We never got jumped by anyone due to a pit, pit stop. So, um, man, I think everything went great. Wheeler, if you're uh, if you're in a functional Wi-Fi space, uh, check in here, brother. Okay, radio check. Yes, yeah, you're the spotter. There he is. Perfect. You're the spotter. We got proper comms. Spotter radio check. Copy. Thank you, guys. Sorry about that. I uh, we're just getting back to the to the hotel here at Disney from dinner, <laughs> um, and so Willie P and family just dropped us off. Um, he's gonna he's gonna log in here in a minute and check it out. He might join us. He might not tonight. He might just want to be like Kyle was the other night and be a first time observer. Know what he's getting himself into before he jumps off the uh, the rails here and decides to join us. But um, right. <laughs> but no, man, awesome, Kyle. I'm I'm pumped you're on. Um, I mean, we could we could probably talk three hours about why. I'm so excited that you made your IndyCar debut this weekend. And every story between us from, you know, 2010 to now or even earlier. But overall, um, you know, I saw you last night downtown on the streets and before you got your dinner, before we met up uh, to give a big cheers to Sebastian. But I asked you to do one thing and I would say, lift your arms in the air. And you you said, I I can't. I'm done. (laughs) That's right. Which which part was tougher for you coming out? Was it the physical or the mental exhaustion when you climbed out of the car? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, mentally, it's really straining, right? Because you're just thinking about strategy. You're thinking about what people are doing around you a lot. You're never, I've only raced in kind of situations where everyone runs on the same strategy. And there's so many different strategies that are being played around us that it was, it's, it's definitely mentally straining and keeping focus for all a hundred laps is, is a toughie. I know I looked at, at my dash at one point and like lap 68, I'm like, 
man, I got I got 30 laps to go, and I, I was start off. And I was like, all right, we're gonna be taking for the last 30 laps here. And that was about our last stop, and that race. I don't know if that's normal in IndyCar, but the first one was fine. The second, the second got a little bit. And then the third stint, you went on new tires, and the kickback on new tires with full, with full fuel was diabolical. I mean, and that that weight never went away. And I'm guessing that's just from the amount of rubber we laid down over over the course of those first two stints with all all the twenty plus cars out there. Well, the I know that you, I was uh, really curious about is oh. sorry, Wheeler. Your first race there, with apologize. those. Types. I just wanted to say the champ is here. 2016 IndyCar champion, Simon Pagano. 2019 Indy 500 winner, Simon Pagano. New member of Meyershank Racing. Joining in here, along with Kyle. Why don't you unmute yourself there, uh, Simon. And, hey, uh, hey. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it took me about 10 minutes to figure out how to join. So I did not win that race. Well, but you're you're babysitting tonight, babysitting your son Marley. So we only got you for like ten or fifteen. But this is just a conversation among friends. So uh, thanks for joining in, brother. Thanks for having me. And uh, I like hearing what Canada to say. He gave me a hard time most of the race, so I'm glad uh, glad to hear he suffered as well in the race. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was I was on you for a while, man. When we were getting backed up by some of the guys that were fuel saving and. I think Pato was pretty slow in the first stint or two. I there was a couple spots. I mean, it was so hard to get close. You were close enough to like almost think about doing a lunge, but just not close enough to really want to do it that early in the race. And there's a couple times I was like thinking about looking to make a pass down into turn five because everyone was bunching up there. But I was like, you know, this is my first race. I'm, I better not make make an idiot out of myself in my first one. <laughs> I thought you did a great job, and and I tell you. I tell you what, you uh, you kept me on my toes the whole time. You did a great job. Um, Thank you, man. And, and you were, you know, it's great to see how respectful you were. Um, obviously, you could have done what you're saying, but um, you definitely gained my respect. Uh, just just seeing how you handle yourself was, you're definitely going to be um, a force to be reckoned in the future, man. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. So, Kyle, we're going to have you a little bit longer. Uh, here this evening than Mr. Pagano. So I'm going to jump over real quick. Um, Simon, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, talk to us a little bit about the wild ride that was yesterday. Because it seemed um, it seemed like we thought things were going to go one direction. Then the yellow came. And it really put a big question mark on the two and three stoppers. And then, what I don't know from your guys' perspective if this had an effect on it, but them having to move the wall seemed to extend that yellow a long time and really kind of put people in some awkward positions. You know, did you guys ever have a, a moment where you thought you had something that you didn't have or think you had a, a chance to do something and then it just didn't come together? Well, quite frankly, um, we had, we had a really good car weekend, a lot of pace. And that was really awesome to see for a first race with the team. Um, you know, I don't think people understand what it takes to actually change team, go to a new team, understand a new philosophy of setup, philosophy of work, uh, work with a new engineer. It takes a lot. And um, I was so excited and I am so excited to see the pace that we have over one lap. It's 
it's going to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that for this year. Now, in the race, I think, you know, obviously, I didn't take the best start. Uh, I got kind of, um, you know, power. I didn't have a good start. I was in line with him. I chose to follow him, which I think was a mistake. I should have followed VK um, and be a bit more aggressive in turn one. But I wanted to make sure we would finish the race to um, go over everything we had to go over, such as pit stop, strategy, um, my pace within the car um, throughout the race. So it was it was very interesting. We unfortunately decided to uh, to go for the three stop, but I'm full 100% behind that decision. Uh, you know, we saw Newgarden take the option. We went for it and thought that it could work. Um, it didn't, you know, but that's IndyCar racing, quite frankly. I, I think at the time it was the right decision. Speaking of it just being IndyCar racing, you know, something that I noticed yesterday, and, and for me, I feel like it's at an all-time high, how close it is and how tight the competition is. I saw VK get, get uh, I'm not going to say he got moved out of the way, but he, he just got passed. And in, in, by getting passed by one car, everybody's he in line. Trained. He was he, he got trained. Yeah, he, he lost nine spots. And I feel like if you look at how close the racing is as far as proximity to each car and everybody was such close pace, it's like GTD racing with much higher stakes, much higher speed, and much more difficult to drive race cars. And I was I was really impressed. Have you ever seen it this hard? Well, it has been hard like this in the last uh, last two years. Um, it's interesting. I think every team are starting to have a good understanding of this package. Um, the drivers are all very uh, talented and ready. Um, I'm actually impressed. I'm very impressed. You know, just like I said about Kyle, um, man, it's his first race and he knew exactly how to handle himself. Um, he knew exactly how to behave on the restarts. I'm just very impressed with the level that we are at right now, quite frankly. Um, it's, it's very impressive. I tell you, top five is, is, is almost like a win. So um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm a little bit disappointed in the racing. I, I, I wish we had more, uh, you know, more exciting stuff for the fans. It's just that everybody's so close to each other. There's, there's really very little room for passing. Simon, this was a Formula One race yep. in St. Petersburg. And I often make the mistake, and I have to keep reminding myself, hey, idiot, stop making that mistake. That as a racer and someone who, again, this has been my life from the inside forever, I watch the race very differently from uh, the average fan at home or in the grandstands. For me, the strategy part provides a fascinating angle that creates drama from the green flag to the checkered flag. So for me, that is self-sustaining. And I'm watching everyone's move and who's reacting, who's jumping off that two-stop strategy strategy to three or three to a two, etc. And then I have to realize, you know what, man? The average person watching doesn't know and doesn't care. All they see is nobody passing each other. And to your point, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a 500 horsepower push to pass shot. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it <laughs> yeah. is, <Nice>. but um, <laughs> selling folks on, hey, it's like an F1 race. And yeah, nobody passes, but someone did a pit stop a micro fraction of a second faster and therefore passed 
took place in the pits. Yay, aren't you excited? That's not going to cut it, man, especially, Simon, maybe you can speak to this, coming off of a 2021 season that was pure excitement the whole damn time. I don't know if St. Pete, other than Scott McLaughlin's big win and that being a really awesome thing, I don't know if the rest served fans what they were expecting to see. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I talked to my dad this morning. He said that was that was the most boring race he's seen in a while. <laughs> and it, it hurts me to it pains me to hear that because IndyCar racing should be the opposite and it has been. So um I don't know. I think obviously the way the restarts are now are more like IndyCar Indy uh, sorry, are more like Formula One style. You know, we used to have a lot of actions on restarts and one restart would trigger another one. Um, it's not the case anymore because we we restart, you know, the leader obviously is leading and has the right to decide when to restart. We restart from turn 13 now and um, everybody's in line and there's no real opportunity for passing. So I don't know. It, it, to me, it feels like in power, Will Power will tell you the complete opposite. But uh, Well, he just I, joined us, actually. He did. Uh, I'm, in favor. did I'm in favor of double fire restart power. Scotty McLaughlin is here, too. Holy crap. So, uh, Scotty, tell Simon he doesn't know what he's talking about and should shut up because you just won the race. Uh, uh, Simon, what's going on? No, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> congrats, my man. Congrats. I saw this was on, and I was like, oh, my boys are in here. I'm going to pop in and have a, have a chat. What's going on? What's going on? You won the race, my man. Good, was... What's going on? What's going on on your side? Uh, what, what happened? Uh, man, I don't know. That was... That was... That was... What a week! Oh man, it was crazy. A lot of, lot of uh, that, that was yeah. I'm blown away. I had, a, I had such a cool night last night with everyone. The IndyCar people know how to party, man. It's crazy. Good times. <laughs> well, you don't have kids yet. No, I got a dog though. I, I saw a guy that looks like you, uh, Scotty, who might have been enjoying uh, dark liquor in small shot glasses, uh, but I can't confirm or deny. He, the guy looked like you, yeah. but again, I, I can't confirm. Uh, how's your head, by the way? Still spinning? Yeah. Are you laying, You having to lay on the ground? What, what's going on here, yeah, brother? Yeah, I know he passed out in victory lane, if you didn't notice, but it was, um, yeah, it was, <laughs> I think, you should see my whoop data. I was like, like real chill in my my heart rate, sorry, came right down, and then I like peaked at like 185 in victory lane, like jumping around. <laughs> like what an idiot! And then I passed out, nearly passed out, and um, it was uh, yeah, it was dude, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Never forget it, and um, proud to to do it. But um, you know, I have to thank like the whole reason I come in here as well because I saw Simon and Will and everyone. You know, they, they you know, there's a lot of times last year where. You know, I, I'd made mistakes that I don't usually make, and they were like some of the first guys to, you know, be there and pump me up and and um and you know, I guess, put faith back in me that I can do it. And it was um it was pretty cool, you know, to to, to do it and prove that. So 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 Scott, I got to tell you, you know, I I had indirectly worked with you for multiple years in different things. We had never actually met until last night when you rocked up. And the night you're on our show, and this is great timing, um, but a big question here, what is your recovery today on your roof, buddy? What was your recovery after yesterday's big win? Um, I actually just uh, finished some TV shows that I, I had to catch up on. Um, I, tell us which ones. Come on, tell us which uh, ones. It's all reality, right? Yeah, all reality shows. Euphoria, um, that one I'm, I'm into right now. Dude, 
don't, 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 don't tell me the last part. Don't tell me. Don't <laughs> tell me the last the episode. I'm still not finished it. My wife was just the dying on the plane, and I was like, "What the hell are you watching? We're gonna get kicked out." Oh, really? Is it that intense? Oh, I have to it's speak cr- to Haley. Oh yeah. man, dude, I just watched yeah, the no, second last like- episode. I'm like, like they're crazy. Like I'm blowing my blowing my mind. Um, and then oh, we picked up the dog from the kennel. He was pretty pumped. He knew I won, obviously, and um, he congratulated me. And then um, I just I've hung out. I've, I've I have had a sore head today, so I've just been taking it pretty well, easy. Well, what was your what was your actual whoop recovery number though? Uh twenty point three. But I think well, that, you, but that's you that's did better than you did better than Kyle Kirkwood because I'm looking at our group right now. He's he's lying. Don't listen to him. Kyle I, recovered a seventeen percent. Oh my whoop recovery! That is correct. Oh, hang on, hang on. Oh my recovery! Yeah, he he's nah, deeper nah, than me. Don't worry. Eight percent, boys. I took the whoop. yeah. I'm gonna say there's no, there was no way that you recovered better than myself and Kirkwood. I was only a twenty eight percent. Yeah, no eight percent. And all I had to do was sit there and say, clear. yeah, I was um, I was hard on the red limiter on on the whoop data. It wasn't wasn't good. But anyway, I had a great night and and a great night with you. Well, fun. Will Power, unmute yourself. I know we're getting sidetracked a little bit, but that's fine. This show is just, we're calling this hashtag racing family. Cause that's Power's check, there, check. Right? Power's yeah, there. Radio, radio check. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about the last night, y'all, because uh, there was I had a lot to... of us celebrating Bourdais and uh, also <laughs> celebrating ourselves. That was amazing, wasn't it? That was a good night, I tell you. Uh, I never really go out and... Uh, and drink anything, so it was cool to actually experience the true Scott McLaughlin night, and uh, and also obviously celebrate Sebastian's really his birthday, but his career also. I mean, he's he's a legend of the sport and a, a tremendously successful in champ car and sports car, um, and and IndyCar. Uh, so it's kind of sad to like I, I really feel like he would still be winning. Um, in a really good team, and um, he's you know when he left, he was as good as he ever was. No, I I obviously I have to agree with that. So I, I got something here. Um, so Scott, I mean, we kicked off season two for you. You kicked it off in primo fashion. Like you really couldn't have had a better weekend. And we're looking at a kid now, like like Kyle Kirkwood, who just kicked off his career yesterday in that same moment. What is what is the piece of advice that you have for Kyle for everybody to hear? as he embarks on this rookie journey and as you start off your sophomore year, now a race winner in IndyCar? Um, man, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I still am learning, but it's just, it's, I guess just get ready for the ups and downs, man. You're going to have them. You're going to be real fast. You're going to probably nearly win a race and whatever and be close. You're really fast already. And um, I think you'll just, just be ready for them. Just keep your head up because <laughs> you know you're plenty good enough. That's the reason why you're here. So you just got to, get through it but you know what to do i don't have to tell him anything <laughs> he will be right <laughs> so simon i know you're on a limited time time schedule and i wanted to get this question knocked out here before so we can still let one or two uh, guests ask a question as well what um i mean what are it, it's been a while since you switched programs right this, no secret new first year meyer shank racing great people mike shank one of my heroes and one of my biggest mentors in my life what has that transition been like for you as a family man? You know, you have a kid now, new program. How has that settled settled over the off season? And now to kick it off. But wait, I'm I'm having 
so much fun. Um, first of all, it's a ma- an amazing group of people at My Shank Racing. Um, obviously, I love working with Elio, but uh, Mike Shank, I think, is a guy I fell in love with uh, as soon as we started talking. Um, I just I just love how he goes about racing, uh, how how he runs the team. You know, he's on deck every day. Uh, he comes down to the shop. He's down by the cars, talk to the mechanics, and um, he's just he's just a pure racer. And um, you know, we after yesterday, I was pissed about my start. He was pissed about his decisions, and I said, "Man, don't worry about it. We, we're gonna we're gonna grow, and and then we're gonna we're gonna end up being where we want to be." But uh, it's that adventure with him that I'm really excited about, and um, and to see. The investment, not financial investment, but the investment that they're making to push this team forward is is really cool. And being part of it, knowing that they want me to be, you know, uh, with Helio leading that team uh, where they want to be with Jim Meyer is is really cool. Um, You know, I'm going Thursday, I'm going to be at the shop in Columbus. We're going to be reviewing the entire race, understand every practice, uh, every minute of practice and every minute of qualifying. And that's really what's what's driving me now um i just want to you know i'm a i'm a perfectionist but um, i love optimization in general and uh and i feel like i can really do that with this team so it's really cool um and uh and i'm looking forward to what we can do but the pace is there and it's super exciting hey ryan terpstra invited you to uh to speak here ryan's one of the leaders of the uh, Prude listener group around the podcast. Uh, so always appreciate Ryan's take. Ryan, why don't you uh, hit Simon with a question? And I know he's got some diapers to change and probably hopefully you're making some dinner for your amazing wife, Haley, right? Come on. You're doing something. I, we got sushi tonight. Um, DoorDash, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the invite, Marshall. I'll, I'll hit Simon with a quick, simple question. Bush light stocked up in the house now? Bush light? Um, no, no, I, I don't play yes. here. Red wine, absolutely. <laughs> we got Alex Polo here. We got the reigning IndyCar champ. Uh, Simon, thank you, brother, for joining us, obviously. And, and we're going to do more of this throughout the year. Like I said, this hashtag racing family thing, Wheeler and I started doing here in Twitter spaces. I love it. Not like I'm not stopping the podcast, still doing that, but I love this just because, our fans, and I don't mean fans of us as individuals, but our fans, the, the sports fans, the people that make this what it is, that come out and buy the tickets, cheer you on, wear your shirts and hats and all that. Like, I just love the live community aspect of this. So we're going to keep doing a lot more of this. So, brother, go uh, go take care of your baby boy, and thanks for joining in, Simon. And let's, uh, let's welcome in Wheeler, uh, the man who loves fried chicken more than any other IndyCar driver, Alex Polo. Why don't you uh, unmute yourself, brother, and say hello? Hello. How are you doing? Is this working? It is. And you're, uh, you're funnily enough, at least on the uh, Spaces feed, you're directly behind Scotty Mack. So it's actually an accurate representation of how yesterday finished. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. That might have been a mean, mean intro. It doesn't, doesn't out, need to change. It. doesn't need to change. Uh, so nah. we'll change I, it next for next race. Yeah, I gotta I gotta start this off, Alex. Obviously, welcome and thanks for joining us. But I gotta say, the highlight of my week was being at the Cart for Kid Challenge. Um, and Alex was nice enough to be there, and uh, as was a lot of other great 
partners of the program, supporters and drivers of IndyCar, Road to Indy, MX-5, things like that. But uh, Alex came up and he brought us a suit, shoes and gloves that he used during his championship campaign last year. We had the bidding up to $16,000 for that one suit, shoes and gloves. And uh, we had an idea about right about the end of it. And Alex said he would give up and find a way to get us another set of shoes Gloves and suit. If they each took it for sixteen, they each got their own. So, Alex, man, thank you for that because that thirty-two thousand dollars you raised off of your driving gear was a part of over three hundred thousand dollars raised for the uh, All Children's Hospital there at John Hopkins. Amazing! Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know we got to three hundred. So, yeah, it was it was a cool moment, man. Um, um, yeah, I didn't expect that it would be that that much, but yeah. It's it's awesome to help kids and we had some fun so yeah we'll do it again. Well, that that was awesome. Now talk us talk us through your weekend. Um, obviously our first race weekend back here for the new season. You come in with this, uh, I don't know, some stars kind of floating above your head everywhere you are, and uh, you're the you're the guy, right? And different position than you were last year when you stepped in when you were still the second year driver with a powerhouse team. Everybody's saying, okay, what's he going to do? You showed him what you could do. You dominated the year for the most part. Was it any different vibe starting it off now, being the guy on top? Well, obviously it changed um, the the way maybe we approached the weekend uh, compared to last year. Last year, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, didn't know anybody from the team. And this year, yeah, I got more experience, obviously more confidence from what we achieved last year and yeah started struggling the weekend quite a lot in practice one uh everything started to look better in practice two until the wall move and just crashed my car um then you didn't like that wall you told me you said it was looking at you it was giving you the evil eye and yeah, you were gonna so teach that moved. wall a lesson yeah he just moved i knew that everybody was uh, not everybody but penske's and andretti's they were really quick uh in turn nine and i couldn't really get up to speed there so i was trying trying until yeah i touched the wall and destroyed the car but yeah the crew did an amazing job <laughs> putting the car back together and the race was actually quite exciting we had some good pit stops strategy and um yeah didn't have enough speed to to catch scott hey that just quickly that was tight coming out of pit lane right on that on that exchange, the last exchange. Yeah, it was tight, but not not enough. Like I, I think I, I saw you coming out in the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh god, like, this is gonna be real close. And then, yeah, uh, like I had to lift, but uh, yeah. but yeah, it was it was not even. I couldn't do anything there. Um, yeah, I meant to ask you about that after the race. That's funny. So Scott yeah. and Alex both. This is. I don't know if this happened over your radios or not, because obviously I can't hear what your comms are but at any time did they tell you that hey willpower is about two tenths a lap faster and he's closing that gap and when in that moment if they told you that i mean what was your thoughts on that because i'm not gonna lie from my vantage point will was coming um at, at, at various points of the race when you guys are in the top three there I'm just uh, curious if they'd let you guys know from my perspective i never got told about power i just had i was just um, spoken about like Alex and um, and sort of what he was doing, and then the gaps obviously towards the the 
the lap traffic in front of us. Um, I was trying hard to save the fuel plus hold Alex back a little bit. So, and I was trying to slow my pace down so we could, you know, like not catch the lap traffic, a bit of tactics, obviously, like from my perspective. Um, but then, you know, we obviously caught that, but no, my, to answer your question, uh, my guys never really talked talk to me about power. It was more about Alex. I might be opening up a little bit of a can here, but that's fine. It's our show. It's our can. Um, in the post-race uh, press conference, I know that our man DJ Willie P here was, uh, or might have been qualifying. I forget where, but in one of the one of the end-of-day sessions, Will was talking about uh, blue flags and a particular driver by the name of Mr. Johnson, who might not always be his favorite in terms of moving aside. Scotty, what were you thinking when you have a blue Ganassi car behind you and you see a blue Ganassi car in front of you and your lead is starting to fall? Alex is obviously not controlling Jimmy and what he's doing in front of him, so I'm not putting any, quote, blame on him, but your gap went from being comfortable to pretty damn tight. What's going through your head there? Is it, come on, guys, fair play, let us just do our things? Are you asking... Can they move them out of the way from me? What's coming to mind? Oh, I mean, it's it's a pretty stressful situation for both parties. I think at the end of the day, I'm trying to run my race and Jimmy's trying to stay on the lead lap in case there's a yellow or whatever. I mean, that's just IndyCar racing. Um, I, I guess I can't... Uh, for me, I probably don't agree with the rule of just like no blue flags unless you're lapped down on the whole field, which is, you know, Tatiana and if you, when whoever was a, you know, a, a lap down on the whole field with command blue. Come on, Scott, fine. say what you think. Say what you think. But no, I'm about to, I'm about to unload a bomb here, Simon. No, um, I, uh, uh, I don't agree with the rule. No, that's about what I, I'm going to say. I, I don't, I think it's, it's fair play because that's just how the rules are wrote, written, but, I, I guess I, I'd rather see a blue flag and let the race be clean. But, you know, at the end of the day, I understand both parties for sure. Alex, let me ask you, watching in the last couple of laps, you're bombing as hard as you can. Scotty's obviously going as hard as he can. Watching the two of you firing into turn one, uh, you're obviously, Alex, breaking as late as you can, bringing the, the gap down as much as you can. You make the right out of turn one, then we get to that hard left again in turn two, and just watching, it appeared uh, Scotty's number three uh, deck Chevy was beautiful at transferring weight and carving quickly, uh, roll control, like just from a suspension standpoint, he seemed to have a bit of a crisper reaction at his availability and that's where he would build a slight uh, gap and then fire through turn three and it'd be really hard for you to make up uh, any advantage on him. What were you seeing from behind? Because it looked like, again, it was a small thing, but it seemed to set the tone for the rest of the lap. Yeah, I I was struggling a lot in sector one, uh, which is like, yeah, turn two and three. He was like uh, a lot, a lot better there. Like I, I couldn't figure it out uh, why, but maybe I was losing some downforce. Maybe he was taking another line. Um, but yeah, I was struggling there, and then trying to um, improve a bit in 
turn four and catch him. Uh, turn nine, he was really good again. Turn 10, I think we were pretty close. So, yeah, it was a bit of a... Uh, we were doing a bit like a spring. I don't know how you say it, but um, but yeah, it was it was a bit frustrating. We also had to both of us save some fuel, so I think we were really good on braking compared to them, and I couldn't really get um, the benefit of it by saving fuel. So um, yeah, it was a bit frustrating, but uh, yeah, I think we learned a bit by following them and seeing uh, where we were lacking a bit. So this is this is for all of you guys, and you can answer in whatever order you'd like, but it seemed like it was really difficult to take the reds yesterday and put together a full stint, whether you started on reds or you ran reds later in the race. I can't remember everybody's strategies from, from yesterday, but it seemed like it was really difficult. Um, any thoughts on, on just how hard it was to stay focused and try and try and help keep the tire underneath you the entire time? Chris, I think Power did 36 laps on a set of reds because of when that yellow fell. I, I wanted to ask Will how the heck he managed to do that. Power, did you fall asleep? You fell asleep. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Just making some green tea. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I was very, very gentle on him on the restart and actually let a couple of guys go. Um, just because I had, I didn't run him in warm up. And all I knew knew was, you know, I saw VK, you know, fall pretty hard in the first stint and then hurt her. So I thought I've got to make these last a lot of laps, like it's our longest stint because it was, you know, we sat in our strategy meeting. We said the worst case scenario for us starting on blacks is getting a, a, a yellow at lap 25 and then we've got to do a massive middle stint on reds and that's exactly what happened. But honestly, like I closed up at the very end of the stint like I, I i let those guys go by about two two seconds to get clean air and then just maintained that and tried to keep graham behind me and then um yeah it was good all the way to the end all the way to the end the the, the ties hung on uh and i just was just super careful not to you know overslip him or anything um so yeah it it worked it wasn't ideal because i couldn't attack on the restart and you know, maybe, you know, challenge Scott at uh, the restart because I knew if I did, it would just, you know, mean that I would put too much into the tire early and then pay pretty bad later. So I just had to take what I could get out of that race, which was I was super happy with third, um, considering how it kind of played out with the whole red middle stint. Just want to mention here quickly, we have some more friends that have joined us. Pagano just sent me a text saying his wife, Haley, gave him uh, the big old evil eye. So he had to dive out. Uh, but we knew that. But uh, Bozzy Tatarevich, uh, big fan of you and what you're doing as a young buck uh, mechanic in the sport. And also you've been, uh, I would say, leading in the Twitter spaces place with your uh, racing spaces show. So uh, big, big. Uh, love to you and want to help promote uh, that uh, as much as possible. And I don't know, Katie Kyle is here. She's like a great friend and super awesome. And Wheeler, I know that uh, Katie is, uh, a uh, she puts up with you. I don't know if she likes you, but uh, she's also family. So invited her to join in. And Katie, if you want to unmute yourself and say hello, seriously, uh, our days get brighter whenever you're part of it. Marshall, you're too good to me. Every time I talk to you, my confidence gets a little 
bigger. Um, Taylor and I are actually sitting on the couch, just put the baby to bed, and I saw you guys were all talking, so I thought, hmm, well, those sound like some people I'd like to listen to, so here we are. Alex, I need to apologize. I told you the highlight of my week was our auction. That was great, but Katie just reminded me the actual highlight of my week was seeing the beautiful Quinn. And um, Oh, come on. No, 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 because Quinn's on. going through a phase, and when Katie says, your niece is not like men right now and i say hello to her and she smiles it completes me and i got to hold her after the race so that's just always one of my favorite things but um all right but no. all right it's okay for this time it's okay i understand okay so quinn will win over all of you for the rest of our lives in case you guys are all curious she's not quite eating fried chicken yet though alex <laughs> that's right <laughs> Alex, so, tell folks about the uh, the campaign you got going here with TorontoMotorsports.com, who's one of the partners of uh, my podcast, uh, Palouse Pollo. Uh, there are stuffed animals. There's all kinds of stuff, and you're, it's actually for charity, which I think is pretty amazing. Have you guys decided uh, what charity, the, the proceeds from uh, sales, where that's going to go? Um, not yet, but that came out just because they – um, we, we were speaking about doing some stuff together uh, at the end of 2021. Um, and yeah, we came up with the idea of doing something with the chicken. I mean, we couldn't really use uh, stuff from the team and, well, you know how that goes. So, um, yeah, we decided to do something with the chicken, a bit funny and something different and, and just give everything to, to charity. So, yeah, they are taking care of everything and, and I'm just enjoying having uh, some cool stuff out. That's amazing. Scotty Mack, I've got to ask you, so you did the amazing thing that you wanted to in winning your first IndyCar race. I always feel a little bit bad, though, like Pato last year. He and I, it, we had a pretty serious conversation where I'm like, brother, I love you, and you have a lot of energy, but you're good at driving race cars, and you're going to win races, and you're going to need someone to help you. Because when you win a race, every person you've ever met is going to text you and you don't want to make them feel bad by not responding to them. So while you should be celebrating and maybe focusing on your next race, you've got like nine straight days of responding to all the incoming communications. He's like, yeah, it's a, that's a good idea. I should get an assistant. Tell me about your day, brother, and how many messages have come in and how you're managing responding to everybody. Because that's kind of one of the things when you're a big first-time winner or, you know, win the Indy 500 or something else. Oh, no, that's my favorite part. I enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy the um, text. And there's a lot of, like, really cool, like, people that come out of the woodwork that, you know, old racers and, and team owners and people that I grew up with. And it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like a, it's a lot um certainly when you win but it, it's very special at the same time because you're sharing something that's that's just it's just it's awesome you know it's like i i've shared that with a lot of people um so yeah it was it's um all part of it but I, i've certainly got someone helping me now a little bit more with social media and a few things which is which has been cool because we had a really great response to a few things i post on social media over the over the weekend but still heavily doing it myself but because i just enjoy that and i feel like it's a bit more authentic for the fans and my sponsors and whatever but um yeah it's it's certainly a um a, a cool part of the winning part I, that i enjoy so we had um chris albrecht he jumped in uh to ask some stuff 
So unmute yourself, man, and ask away. The um, the space is yours. Yeah, thanks so much for giving me opportunity. Um, uh, great race, everyone. Really enjoyed it. And Alex, I have a question for you. I was watching the race, and after the first pit stop, all of a sudden you were right behind Scotty. Where'd you come from? I want to know how you got there so fast. Um, well, we we did a good start, um, good first corner, and and also turn four. Um, but then it was on the pit stop. I think we got three places on the pit stop. It was the first pit stop where um, the 26, the 15, and the 8 got a bit in trouble. Um, so, yeah, I got three positions there and was right behind power. So then Will was... Uh, as he said, he was taking care of, of the red tires and I could go by and, and just follow Scott. Awesome. Great job. Thank you. Wheeler, I'll uh, mention here real quick. Uh, tomorrow, I don't know when, uh, but I'll, I'll post it, obviously, when uh, we figure out a time. But my pal and uh, racer colleague, Chris Medland, who covers Formula One for us, attends all the races. He was in the first season of Drive to Survive. Uh, yeah, we're going to catch up tomorrow for a uh, hashtag racing family episode talking about recent testing, uh, what he's seen in person, and obviously the unfortunate shit show going on with uh, Mazepin, uh, the, the dumpster fire that is Haas Formula One and uh, and whatnot. And then I think tomorrow as well, I'm going to fire off one specific to IndyCar with uh, some things that I've been sitting on for a little bit and will be uh, publishing tomorrow. So just for those who are listening and might want to uh, check back, Tuesday might be a little bit busy, but it should in theory be fun. Uh, Kirkwood, we haven't heard from you in a while. Hopefully you haven't fallen asleep. Um, You've got some cool folks here that you're racing with and racing against. And so far, they have all said, or for those who've spoken with you so far here in the show, they appreciate your approach. You've been respectful. You haven't been the rookie who's gone out and said, screw you. The track is mine and mine alone. I know you speak to everybody when you get a chance, but you got power. You got Scotty and Polo, etc. Any questions for them you want to ask? Any advice you might put to them to share with you? Because oh man, they, power. He's freaking old. I mean, right? They, they might not awesome. share anything to me. They don't. They don't want me beating them this year. But no, I mean, they're <laughs> great competitors. I think. I think this year is going to be a lot of fun between all of them. I mean, I've been. I've been bouncing everything I can um, off Sebastian Bourdais, who's been super helpful this entire entire um, beginning of the year. So it's been awesome to have him in my corner, and uh, hopefully I can be knocking on these guys' door here pretty short, pretty shortly. Well, that said, Marshall, we have Jason Hatfield. He got brought up off the request line. So, Jason, go ahead and unmute yourself there, my friend, and let's uh, let's kind of hear what your thoughts are on the weekend and see if you got any questions for these guys. Well, I actually thought the race was very entertaining, uh, but I had a question for Will. Uh, on the first lap, um, you to back up there a little bit it's already been addressed in the post race was much on NBC so yeah. yeah um I I actually spun up on the paint on the runway because I came out uh and where I was positioned was like my left tires were just on the paint so I started to move over to the left to get the other side then Scott went so I 
obviously I, you know, you split second, you have to go and just spun up on the paint. So immediately lost ground there. And, um, yeah, that was the, that was the reason for, you know, dropping back to fourth on the start. Didn't have the traction control turned all the way up, man. God, don't forget that next time. Uh, yeah, I did. That's the thing. The traction control was working too well, and obviously the engine misses when the traction controls on it. Just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm so getting got uh, hate hate mail tomorrow from uh, Jim Campbell and everybody at GM. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wheeler, you, uh, you can see my car square. You can see it squirming around like it was moving around. So. Yeah, I definitely had the traction control turned off. I turned it on for the Reds. That's why they lasted so long. Smart man. Will didn't get all the drivability on that on the start as he did it later in the race. Yes, that's that's yeah. very very true, Ryan. Um, Alex, you touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to get uh, just a little bit of a deeper dive. So, boy, Aero McLaren SP wanted to come out strong on Friday. They struggled all weekend, made some improvements. There were opportunities for them as a team to come out strong, but the weekend wasn't all they wanted. A couple other teams that way. What was the reaction like under the Ganassi tent when Friday wasn't everything you thought it would be? Was there any, I don't know, panic is the word, but there had to be a greater expectation. How did you guys deal with a slow Friday, a better, better, Saturday and qualifying, but still not as strong as you might have wanted. Did you have any butterflies going on? Like maybe the off-season R&D had been missed a little bit. What was the feeling there? I mean, we, going to St. Pete, we knew it was uh, one of our toughest weekends. It was, it's been like that for the past years, but also last year, uh, especially for me. But um, no, it's IndyCar nowadays, man. You, even if everything is good and you work a lot and, and, and you feel fine, maybe you're P15 and that's the way it goes. Like, it's crazy. Like, we started P17 on practice one, seven tens off, and we finished the race in P2. Um, so I think IndyCar nowadays is so competitive that uh, you just need everything right. The driver must must be on point. The car must be on point. Strategies, everything. Everything must work. So you can be up there where you want. But yeah, obviously we, we did not like where we were in day one or day two. But um, but yeah, I think we were progressing and, and we were happy with the progress we were making session by session. So it was not enough. But uh, yeah, hopefully next year when we go back to St. Pete, we'll be starting already from, from the point where we left it uh, yesterday. Wheeler, I'm going to take one more here and then uh, pass the show back. Scotty and, and Alex, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to think about it in the 24 hours since the race was over. And I know Wheeler touched on this a little bit uh, when we started off the show, but maybe Alex, more from your angle, do you have an appreciation for the feelings that Scotty's going through right now, having just won his first race in his second year? You were doing this. I mean, that's how you opened your season last year right uh sophomore second season uh phenomenal performance in the opening race and that seemed to open up a whole new world of possibilities for you we didn't know what to expect from you at ganassi uh, in your second season you told us what we should expect after opening the year with great success are you able to look at scotty and go man 
this feels very familiar. Uh, I, I wonder if he's having that same feeling inside, like, okay, suckers, <laughs> I'm coming for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but the, the difference is, like, he won, I don't know, 56 races in, in supercars, right, Scott? I don't know how many, but he's... Everybody knew he 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 was a not a race contender but a title contender. But yeah, I think it's it's awesome for him um, getting it on the season opener. I think just helps you throughout the year, um, and and the first one is so special. So yeah, hopefully he stops there and and just with one IndyCar race win, he's he's happy. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't <laughs> think he's gonna stop there. God, are you I'm, good? I'm, you I'm miserable. I'm miserable. I, I want more. <laughs> Come on. You can win eye racing if you want. No, I'm happy. Honestly, that's a true story. Me and Alex were running uh, iRacing during the week um, and doing some like GD3 races. Alex very quick on, on the iRacing there. And he normally just slaps me on that thing and makes me look silly. Um, but one thing... I was like, oh, I'm glad I did the G3 races because they all do rolling starts. So I sort of felt really warmed up for them going into turn one yesterday um, because I was horribly worried, very worried about overshooting that and looking like a, uh, a dummy. So um, thank you. I racing rolling start practice, mate. That is brilliant yep. to get yourself tuned up. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't on pole for the iRacing one either. So I still was, I was a little skeptical if I could. You know, make turn one, but we we got through there, which was nice. But um, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say that you normally start quite further back, so yeah. I think I had my average was like eighteenth or something. I've got normally I've got plenty of pioneers ahead of me, but uh, plan on changing that. We'll see. Hopefully, I can stay up there. Like the qualifying was one of my favorite qualifying laps, man. That was like there's nothing like qualifying on pole, and that one that one was a that was a cool one especially around that joint. So I had fun with that. So I've got, I've got two things here about qualifying in general. Sorry. One thing about qualifying, we'll get back to that. The other one is going to be on starts and restarts. And Simon, when he was in here, kind of talked about a little bit, you know, how early we're restarting now, you know, now it's off at 13. It used to be heck halfway down the straightaway towards start finish, letting everybody kind of get their bunch up, give somebody a chance to get a jump, get a run. And the excitement in turn one was wild. You know, we had double file restarts for a while. What do you guys think that are in the car now? What are your thoughts on, on where we take the green flag from on, on starts and restarts? You know, I'm on the race fan side of it. I would love to be closer to start finish line everywhere. Um, but I also understand the consequences that come with that. And I also understand the consequences that could lead to for the teams financially, you know, just trying to trying to get by and, and, and survive. So I'm just curious. Why don't, what the we, three why don't we just left. do standing starts? Let's just do standing starts. Let's just do that. No, that'd be good. I like standing starts. We did those for a little bit, and yeah, it was a little bit of a poop show. Uh, I don't know if it was the super well. I don't know if it was the mayor of Indianapolis or the governor of the state of Indiana. Oh, they got but, shot. Sebastian Saavedra. Saavedra put it on the pole at the at the IMS road course race, stalled no. it, <laughs> got kidding. destroyed, and debris went in back over by the pagoda and cut like literally cut open a wound on the mayor of Indianapolis. All right, well, I better not say that then. I'll take that back. No, no, I, 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 I saw that race actually. I remember watching that at home, and that was yeah, that was wild. But um, no, in all seriousness, I think uh, I guess it fully depends on like from a fan's perspective. I guess you know, seeing a 
the the start, you know, orderly fashion, rolling up to turn one, two by two, but it would look great and the congestion it would form at the back and and then the mid pack would be crazy. I'm sure it'd be a lot more probably action, but I guess from my perspective, like being on pole, like I, I guess you want it like on the weekend. I just wanted a clean start, so you just try and stretch as you know, get on the gas as soon as you can and and get going. But you know, Kyle Novak speaks to us about you know, um, or spoke to me before the race, you know, telling me ideally where he wanted to start, and that's sort of where I started. And um, yeah, it's just uh, the, it is what it is, sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, RJ, we brought you up as a speaker. You're next in the queue here, buddy. So unmute yourself, and uh, what do you got for these guys? What were your thoughts about St. Pete? Hey, thanks so much for having me. So um, I'll be honest, I am not um, a huge IndyCar fan. This last Sunday was actually the first IndyCar race I've ever watched um, in my life That's from awesome. start to finish, which That's is great. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a general question, I guess, to anyone in the group, particularly the drivers as well. Um, were you guys uh, surprised by the fact that there was a lack of, you know, I, I guess crashes just because I've heard at this circuit in particular, it's um, a lot more safety cars come out. So I, I guess I was just curious um, about that from a driver perspective or also a fan perspective. All right. I, I, for me, I for sure I was. Um, I probably thought there was going to be more yellows. I think they said in our pre-event briefing it was like average of four yellows or something like that. But um, yeah, it was it was crazy. But man, that's awesome. That was your first IndyCar race um, to watch. So maybe you can watch a few more, and I might win yes. a couple more because you might be good luck for me. So. Always, you definitely. You can't leave. We got you for life. Yeah, now. yeah. I might sign you up here. You might have to come to the races a few more times. <laughs> Let me know. I'll be there. It'll be more than Michigan where I'm at. Let's uh, let's say welcome to the birthday boy, my French fry. Sebastian Bourdais, who, because of you being you and us celebrating your IndyCar career and it being your birthday, um, some of the folks who've been on the show so far tonight definitely consumed a lot of alcohol in your name. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, bud, radio check? Yep, yep, check, check, loud and clear. Oh, man, welcome to the show. So uh, how many people have headaches? I, I got nothing to do with that. <laughs> I feel fine that was now. All your fault. Oh, all hell your no! Fault. It's DDA. It's always DDA. Come on. It, that's a fact. It is always DDA. He's the first one to cause havoc, and he's the first one to disappear. <laughs> no, no, no. What's not fair is that he's the one who causes headaches, and he does never have a headache post parties. That's just bullshit. <laughs> So, Seb, while you're here, obviously it's your birthday. We did enough singing last night. I'm not going to sing happy birthday to you. In fact, I'm probably not going to sing for another month. But um, we were just talking about the weekend and all the different things. And, you know, obviously you had a totally different perspective. And you and I touched on this briefly. But, you know, a lot of years you spent in the car at these indie car races with it's a strategy race. And it's going to be do you go or do you don't go? Do you pit? Do you stay out? And that sometimes means guys that have ran 15th all day win races and guys that dominate the race get to win the race. But you've never had the the time to see it from the pit stand side. What were your thoughts on that? And what did anything from, from the 19-year IndyCar career that we tried to celebrate but last night 
that you, times where you know you, you you experience things in the car and you kept thinking, oh, these assholes don't get it. Why, why why did they screw this up? Now you're on the stand. Now you're seeing it and how they react and what they see. Any of your perspectives change? No, I mean, I, I think it's it's always been very clear to me that um, you know it's it's always a bit of a guessing game and and you can only go with what you know and and hope that you make the right decision, but. Uh, it's it's far from uh, far from easy and uh, yeah I mean it really didn't change the perspective but um, yeah I guess uh, I guess I, I failed on my first try so that was pretty good. Kyle, I mean Seb says he failed on his first try. He was on the pit stand with you guys in the fourteen car. And what was it like for you? Whether it was you know before on track session stuff or to just the debrief and having Sebastian to talk to you there. I don't think he failed. I thought he did a great job. No, he's he's lying to you. I think we were we had the right mentality going through it, right? I mean, it was strange to start off that race and not have a caution early on. And I think we w- we could have been on the right strategy if that caution didn't take so long and and Malukas didn't move the wall. See, when they when he moved the wall like that, the guys that finished in front of us are on the two stopper it just allowed them to save a ton of fuel, which they would have been struggling, I think. And um, I mean, w- once we, once we went to the three stop, I think everyone that was on that was pretty much screwed. I, th- I don't, I don't know who the highest finishing car was that was on that strategy, but I know it wasn't. Got- yeah. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, and, and I understand that's how racing goes. I've, I've got a lot of time in sports car stuff and we've gotten hosed by cautions and that before too. So I understand it. It's, it's completely clear to me. And, I mean, I trusted the team. I trusted Sebastian. I trusted Scott. Trusted Mike. Everyone that was on the stand, right? And um, and I was all for. It, but once that caution came out, I knew that that was that was not good timing. So I'm going to grab one here from our speaker list, and I'm going to grab a man that shouldn't need an introduction. Um, Tim Durham, you have found your way to join <laughs> us here. You are on a, a, a very impressive show called um, Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Man, what were your thoughts? And um, Man, I'm just disappointed I didn't have to get a tattoo after Sunday because that was my agreement with Rossi. Um, no, I actually just requested to come up because I wanted to say it was Mayor Ballard. It was the first GP when he broke his arm, right, at the start when uh, yes. Saavedra yes. saw that yeah, that was the first time I brought my stepdad to a race, and we were in the pits. And he's looking around right before the start. He goes, huh, didn't occur to me that we'd be on the inside of the catch fence. And I was like, we're going to be fine. Nothing's, <laughs> nothing's going to happen here. And 15 feet away, a piece of debris hits the mare, and he has never come to another race with me since. <laughs> was that a strategy? He voted out of office immediately. Come on. Can't get taken out and then and be grumpy about stuff. Get out of here. No, nah, he was uh, a trooper about it. He was cool about it. All right. All right. I think I I just, my stepdad never came to a race with me. Ballard didn't come to a race with me. We were just at the same race. All right. Fair point. I was down in turn one shooting the start and watched it all from a mile away or whatever. And luckily, I had a big 500 mil- millimeter lens. So while it certainly wasn't perfectly crisp being that far away i do have some photos of here are all the cars coming at you and here's the track and the cars are a couple feet high and everything looks normal there and then you look towards the back 
and there's some things higher than they should be coming at you, and that's wheels and this is and gearboxes and like holy crap it looks like a bomb went off and so yeah had no clue none of us down there had any clue that anything went across into pit lane and it's only when we got back to pit lane we found like oh snap that was like shrapnel and debris uh oh. anyways uh poor Savedra. that was a memorable that was a start to a series of events sebastian um Savedra was our teammate that year at kvsh and that started, we got to the 500, then we went to Detroit, and I think that's the famous, um, oh, no, that wasn't the Dragon Days when he got into the whole middle finger match in Detroit, and then we went to Texas, and Texas promoters had printed a massive banner above the uh, the garage area with Saavedra and somebody else flipping each other off, and I thought it was the funniest thing we'd seen in IndyCar so far. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a bit of a contest going on. It was It was pretty good. <laughs> Those were the good old days. I'm gonna grab another guest here. We got Bozzy. Come on, man. I'm Bozzy. Light him he up. Just got, he just got done working out. He's he's using his oxygen. Bozzy, come on up, buddy. Hit that unmute button. What's up, guys? How's it going? <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know Bozzy, Bozzy is and get out your pen and paper. He's a mechanic with Vassar Sullivan Lexus. He writes for multiple media sources. He hosts his own Twitter space called Racing Spaces, which I've been on countless times. It's a fantastic show. Um, and he is a world-renowned Michelin chef-esque biscuit connoisseur. Appreciate the introduction. Wheeler, Wheeler just makes everything sound extravagant, so I'm... I'm just I'm just pleased to get the, the full wheeler introduction, but yeah, I was I was finishing up my workout and listening. I didn't. I texted Kyle and uh, Wheeler. Just so I didn't seem rude for uh, not accepting the speaker invite right away. But I mean, my my main main uh, question here, I think tonight is, what's the most creative solution that Kyle has gotten for his hand issue? I just I just need to know. Well, the the best one was was Pato because I posted a picture because I honestly don't know what to do for this because I've never actually had a blister this bad. Um, usually I just drive through them, but I'm like, man, at Texas, I don't think I'm going to really want this um, here in what, less than two days, literally in 36 hours, I'll, I'll be on track. Um, so the best one was Pato. He was just like, man, just rip it off and let it dry out. And I know... And I've I've heard from other people it's like you just want to drain it and just let it sit. But I was wondering if there's any like topical stuff you could throw on it. Um, and he just like rip it off and and let it dry out. You're gonna be fine, dude. Don't worry about it. I'm like, there's definitely a better way than that. So I, I said all all the medical professionals out there are probably gonna roast him for that. No, the best response was Jimmy Vassar's response, Kyle. Oh my god, man! I I texted him. I'm like, really, man? I'm on my Twitter. You saying this stuff? Come on. Go ahead and I share think somebody else. Somebody what else said you, and it got it, he almost got as many likes as is my one tweeted Jimmy. So I, I'm just getting roasted did, on. Did you say? Did you say to pee on it? No, not, a lot worse. Oh, <laughs> really? You better stop or you'll go blind. Yo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I did think about this one too, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't know and how I many sheets to the I wind faster. Was. I was like, what is he, he talking that? about? I, I didn't understand that that that's what that meant. So I'm like asking around. I was like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> old, old man, Jimmy Vassar. And next thing I know, they're like, oh, that, that refers to that. I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah. if, 
if, if, if it comes from Jimmy and it's it doesn't relate to cars, it's going to be relating to sexuality, women, or booze. It's pretty simple. Yeah. So the other note here, Kyle, and obviously we're talking about one of your bosses, so we'd never speak ill of him. Uh, just kidding. Um, any advice you receive from James Axel Vassar after, say, 1 p.m. Eastern, or I'm sorry, Pacific California time, disregard it. Because we know that very likely a bottle of V12 vineyard, whatever, is slightly affecting his, his decision-making and his advice. So, yeah, there's kind of a, a daily cutoff period where you go, yeah, uh, Vassar and the old adage of uh, going from being on the throttle to on the bottle. Yeah, uh, that, that hour, it's not 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock somewhere. It's like, hey, it's new. So anyways, just be careful. Check the time when you get Vassar advice. It might be a little bit alcohol uh, infused. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say I support the science, but I'm going to say it might not be a coincidence that I haven't had a blister since I was 13. So let's not discount it immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tim Durham, we love you. We love you. We love you. Uh, Jeremiah Morell, you of the power prude couple. Uh, the the Saramaya Morel couple. Uh, what you got to say, brother? Join in, speak, tell us things, have some fun. I'm watching Sarah chastise the dogs right now. They're deciding to act up as we as we get called on. Uh, I guess. Well, we have the champ in here. Uh, he finished. He finished second yesterday. But I I do want to say we took exception on the Dale Jr. download when he said he had no fans. Sarah was heartbroken because we are. You know, he's got OG fans in the Prude. Um, but I, I wanted to ask the question of Alex, how he was so minty fresh in his, uh, in his interview after the race. And yet the, the winner is, uh, is falling down. How's the, uh, how's that work? Oh, come on, man. Just say, say sorry to her. Come on. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was cool. I was happy after the race. We had a really strong result in a, in a track that, yeah. We didn't really like or know that we were not good at, and and yeah, I didn't know that uh, Scott was falling down while he was celebrating. I th- I saw it after. Um, I think it was funny, but at the same time, once you win, I think you can do whatever you want, or it can happen whatever you want. That at the end of the day, you're the race winner. So um, yeah, I was happy for him, and we'll try and and keep it going the way we started the year. We should say hello to the Connor Daly. How you doing, brother? Welcome to this little uh, hashtag racing family thing Wheeler and I are doing. Oh, I'm great. Thank you. I just figured I'd join in and listen to these uh, incredibly talented people in here. Uh, I'm still recovering from Scott McLaughlin's hangover as well. So uh, it was well <laughs> worth. I'm happy that he won so the rest of us can also celebrate. Connor, I, I have to apologize, but. Um, Scott did mention um, we're going to see Connor next, and I, I couldn't, man. I'm I'm old. I'll be 36 on Monday, a week from today, and I just I couldn't do it. I knew I was going to put myself in the fence if I tried, and uh, and I lifted. So I wanted to apologize, but um, no, I just had to share that with you. That's all right, man. All of us bought real estate in that fence by the end of the evening. Uh, it was it was great though. We're very well. Very well spent evening, uh, and we love St. Petersburg, so 
I, uh, yeah, I mean, what better way to celebrate? <laughs> well, let's talk about a little bit of St. Pete and your love for the place and the city. Um, talk to us about your weekend. It uh, seemed like kind of a quiet weekend, but it's, I feel like there's energy brewing in the ECR camp. I feel like there's, there's positives, you know, building there across the board and you've got to be excited to, to have that continuity building in your favor also. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the weekend, it wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't a, a display of heroism for, for myself or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of good things that we learned. Uh, a few things that, that I missed out on in qualifying myself, uh, which obviously I think now we see that, uh, you know, qualifying is of maximum importance. So uh, sometimes, obviously, there, you know, there were a few people that, uh, you know, that managed to work their way up front strategically and, um, you know, we thought we were going to, uh, and it didn't play out. So sometimes these things happen. And, uh, and yeah, I think there, there is a lot of great energy though. Renus was incredible all weekend, uh, which is obviously really positive. Uh, and I think, you know, I just actually can't wait to go to Texas now. I love Texas and, uh, you know, get to test there with this team, which will be, uh, the first time that I get to drive with them, uh, at another oval other than Indy. So that'll be, uh, you know, that'll be a good new experience. No, it's, it's no secret, um, you and I kind of grew up in the same world of IndyCar, pack racing, just balls to the wall, hair on fire. Give me three wide. This is oval racing kind of kind of lifestyle, and it's been no secret that you absolutely love close intense racing on ovals. You know the Carpenter cars. I mean, everybody at the beginning said, "Oh, it's an oval program," um, and for years they've been really quick on ovals, especially at the speedway, and how. What are the things you're looking forward to being able to go there with ECR? Is it is it their you know just their outright pace on ovals? Is it the you being able to take your experience and mix it with theirs, or is it just because it's something new and something fresh? Well, I think I think honestly, yes. Over the last couple of years, you know, coming from Carlin, there is a, a different level of experience that I might have to be able to bring to the table. Right. We obviously ran pretty strong at a couple different ovals, uh, you know, Texas included with the first year that I was the Carlin and then, you know, Iowa and gateway as well. So might be a bit of a different information, uh, pool to, you know, to, to, to jump into and, and have a look, but obviously they have a lot of information as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, everyone seems to have kind of a, a different philosophy on, on oval stuff. Every, every team that I've driven for on an oval, uh, there seems to be a bit of a, you know, a different philosophy and a different, uh, you know, feel to the car. So, uh, you know, that'll be something to get used to, but thankfully we have, we do have a test day for that. So, uh, I, I know, you know, having Ed there as well, whether he's driving or not, I actually don't know if he's racing or not, but, but it's having him there as well, uh, you know, will be helpful because he's obviously, you know, an oval, an oval wizard. So, uh, that's, you know, that's going to be good. Well, we can't talk about ovals without talking about, obviously, the second most, most, only second to the driver role, which is going to be your spotter. And there was a bit of a roster change at ECR, and now you have an OG legendary guy on the radio with you this year. What are your thoughts on that? Packy, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Also known as Chris's being. dad. Yes, Chris's father. Uh, I enjoyed having him on the radio uh, over the weekend in St. Pete. Uh, he's, uh, he's, there's something about Packy that just, uh, it's inspiring to have his voice in your ear when he's not criticizing you, uh, directly to your face. So it's, it's, I, it's great. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but yes, he's been the spotter and he's won at Indy a couple times, got a couple championships. In fact, he says he's out of, he's out of space to ring. So the rest of them go on the wall, but 
he actually uh, 2012 went to Victory Lane at Texas with Justin Wilson. I, I mean, that's that's our plan. We want to get right back there. We want to shoot off those guns in the Victory Lane. Um, I mean, I love Texas. I think that place is an incredible race. It's, as as you mentioned earlier, that was the place where I watched, you know, two and three wide, six rows deep. I don't know if the math on that checks out properly, but uh, <laughs> there was a lot of cars doing a lot of cool things, and uh, and that's the racing that I loved. Hopefully, we can at least be somewhat more racy than the race was last year. That would be certainly very, very nice for our fans and uh, and for the drivers because then we can overtake people. You know, we, we talked earlier on before you joined us about um, kind of St. Pete, and it was kind of a bit of a dole dead fish in, in ways of, of excitement, more of a Formula One style race, right, where it wasn't a lot of overtaking and and big moves and things like that. It was more of a pretty straightforward run, only having the one caution off probably didn't help that. But we talked about restarts and how we've moved up the restart zones a lot. You're a wheel-to-wheel guy. You love you love being jammed into to, to those spots with these guys and, and overtaking. What would your thoughts be if IndyCar decided to kind of go back where we were? Move those move those restart launch points closer to start finish line. I don't know, honestly. I mean, I've I've seen uh multiple restart crashes now over the last couple of years when the restarts are super late, you know, everyone's trying to get the jump because overtaking has become more difficult over the last couple of years. You know, everyone's going for each other's throats at the starts and restarts. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's actually fairly surprising that we all made it through turn one. Uh, it was very impressive on everyone's, uh, you know, on, on everyone's abilities there. That was great. Well, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I I don't know what that answer is. I actually like that they moved the restart zones backwards a little bit more because I think honestly, if you're the leader and you've worked your way to that position, uh, you know you should have the ability to be in you know in control, and you lose a little bit of that control when it's so late. And you know you're the leader. Like if if if, if there's something that happens on the track and you know there's a yellow and then now you get you know you you might have the slight more opportunity to get jumped by someone i don't know i i think i think it's it's okay for now i think we just i think there's more things to be done to you know to help the the racing improve for sure well marshall he hit the nail on the head they got through cleanly which brings us to a point that a lot of our viewers and fans here of our show brought up that i saw on twitter after that happened when i checked my phone after the race Marshall gets to pick a charity and I've got to donate $50 because I did not think that you hooligans were going to get all the way through the apex and turn two clean and green. You know, what's really funny about that too is I swear I saw a car like I was very on the outside and I swear I saw a car flying down the inside like a missile and Packy said, Oh, there's contact down low. And sure enough, we came back around and there was nothing there. So I don't know what happened or if someone disappeared or it was a magic trick. I don't know, but it was, it was uh, impressive that we all made it through there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take just a little sec here, take a beat and uh, say hello and say thank you. Also say thanks to our French fry here for joining in. Uh, you hopefully have some other birthday activities to do here, brother. So much love to you. And uh, thanks for uh, you being the guy that you are here. Um, going to run through and just say hello to some folks some uh some friends that uh, whether they're podcast listeners or just friends in general chris perkins 
one of my colleagues from Road and Track. How are you doing there, Chris? Uh, Arnie Sreben from IndyCar, Comside. Donald Rohr, you were drunk as a skunk at Bourdais thing. That was pretty funny. Oh, the secrets you let go. Uh, Tony Laporta, how you doing, brother? Let's see who else. The crotch belt, of course, the crotch belt. Uh, Andy Merrick, Paul Kelly. Paul, we're going to need you to accept that invite here shortly so we can talk about uh, the passing of the amazing Danny on the gas, Danny and Gaius, John Ranjo, Margot Cook. She makes NTT data a wonderful thing that is aligned with IndyCar and Alex Pillow. Uh, Margot, great to see you. Adam Klinger, Tim Falkowitz, uh, also dear friends. Let me just, Mike Jurgens, how you doing, Mike? Uh, who else can I spot here quickly? James Rowe, look at that. Indy Lights talent listening in Asher's Racing Channel, uh, the, the greatest five or six-year-old race car reporter on the planet, without a doubt. Uh, who else? Lots of you. We've got, I don't know, 150, 160 plus that are in right now. And I know that number is always evolving as folks check in or tune out. But, uh, I mean, Wheeler, we've done like four of these, is it? Five? I don't know. I'm just glad folks are enjoying uh, what we're doing and uh, – if some of y'all either have questions, want to weigh in, share some opinions, raise your hand. We will do our best with uh, about the 10 minutes we got left. Uh, Lawrence Cunningham, hello. Christy as well. Christy, you're a rock star. Um, anyways, we appreciate you. And we've decided to call the show what it is. Hashtag racing family. Not trying to sound like homers or whatever else, but just... It's us, right? We're all just racers and folks who love this stuff. So we're going to get together as often as we can and just do this. So thanks for uh, coming and joining in. Well, Marshall, uh, the F1 diplomat had his hand in the air, and he actually – I approved him to speak like 15 minutes ago, and then I it, everything just kind of happened. So um, secret person on random account with probably a voice-activated cover-up. Welcome. No voice-activated cover-up, but thanks for teasing right. me. I heard, my, I heard my half name a few times before – uh, before I got to talk a little bit. Um, so obviously due to my account name, I'm primarily uh, F1 fan, but I have some street cred with IndyCar. I did go to the race at Coda in 2019. I don't think you guys have been back there uh, since, but that was a cool experience. Uh, I live kind of right down the street from Coda. Um, I was going to say uh, for anyone here, obviously uh, the hosts and the drivers, you guys are all pretty aware of IndyCar culture and you guys live it day to day. I see that the jokes and the humor and everything, and you guys seem like one big dysfunctional family. And that's awesome. Um, there's no doubt that there's a lot more F1 fans with eyes on IndyCar now that, you know, a lot of former F1 drivers are in the series. So what, what do you guys think if any value does that bring? I know IndyCar has a lot of drivers from a lot of different series. And I think that it's probably one of the most diverse as far as open wheel uh, racing goes with experience. I'd, that, love it, I'd love to get yeah. Connor's thoughts on that because at least if we're talking promotions for this new season, it sure seems like everything starts and almost finishes with Romain Groschon and nothing against Romain. He's not the person setting IndyCar's marketing and promotions campaigns. But I also think of the Connor Dailies of the world who've been here for a long time and done a hell of a lot to boost the series uh, and yet maybe aren't necessarily upheld as much. So I'm not, I maybe might've just set you up to talk smack Connor and you don't have to, but 
What are your thoughts about the F1 influence coming into IndyCar, as our brother here, the F1 diplomat, asked, as someone kind of on the receiving end of, hey, maybe the spotlight's moving away from me and some others to the new shiny toys from F1? I'm sorry, can I, I, I just wanted to know, like, what value is in, maybe not necessarily to the marketing aspect, but to the driving, you know, do the F1 drivers, how, what do they think about the competitive of the series as well? I've, I, I think Roman Mates public statements is like, it's very much more driver dependent, and he appreciates that. So, you know, my question, you can answer it as, as ambiguously as possible, touching on the marketing side as well, but it's more like, with more di- diversity from different racing leagues, including F1, what does that do for the culture of IndyCar? No, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, heavy hitters sell tickets, right? I mean, we've got the uh, IndyCar's most popular driver now, uh, Roman Grosjean, who's been in IndyCar for one year. So that's great. I mean, I, I don't I don't mind that. It's like if, if we have, you know, heavy hitters like Jimmy Johnson, Roman Grosjean, you talk about the F1 talent coming over, but, the guy who just won the race over the weekend is a you know V8 Supercar champion. So we got we got talent from everywhere, which is uh, which I think makes it even you know an even stronger series. Um, but realistically, you know we I, I think playing into the whole fact of you know guys coming from F1, guys coming from NASCAR, V8 Supercar, whatever it is, uh, is great for our series. I think um, you know there's obviously. I mean, everyone's got an opinion on how you market a series, right? I think there's there's many, many differing opinions across that whole Defy landscape. everything, Connor. Defy everything. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yes. And and that's and it's great. I mean, lots of cool stuff that IndyCar is doing, and I think I really do wish we, you know we could have uh, you know we don't just get overnight the attention that formula one will get. You don't just get that overnight. Like it takes a long time. NASCAR, same thing. Like NASCAR is so powerful, both NASCAR and F1. But like, I do think we are getting there. And like, if you're a racing fan, if you like motorsport, you have no excuse to not watch IndyCar racing. I really cannot find one. Like I, like I like racing. I'm a big race fan. Guess what? I watch every weekend that I can F1, NASCAR, anything else that's going on. So like, I, 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 I hate the whole house divided thing. And like, well, people will only watch one. And I actually saw a ton of people in formula one, uh, gear actually at the GP of St. Pete, which, you know what? That's cool. Because if they're supporting formula one and also coming to an IndyCar race, I have no problem with that. Cause I was like, you know what? Great. Like I like formula one too. You know what I mean? So um, I, I think it's good all across the board. We just got to, we got to amplify it. I want to see commercials every night on NBC telling that, that there's an NBC network race. I don't care. That's probably costs a lot of money and I don't, I'm not, I can't crowdfund that, but if I want to see that, I want to let people know that we have the most diverse racing field potentially in the entire planet. And we're all going to battle on Sundays or Saturdays. Preach, or brother. Preach, preach, now, preach. Now, Connor, I saw, I saw two things. Um, during our spaces this week, we talked to uh, we talked about uh, some of the spotting stuff, and I told anybody that's there, you know, feel free to always come up and say hi if you see us, especially at the road and street courses, because we spot with the fans, right? We don't have a designated area for that. We're, we buy tickets just like everybody else. Um, and I had a lot of them come up, and a lot of them were wearing McLaren F1 gear because I'm in my McLaren IndyCar gear. But I'll be honest with you, after the race, I saw a guy in a Red Bull, one of those 
$140 Red Bull polos. And all I wanted in that moment was a Red Bull and I couldn't find one. And I'm, I'm funny that you say that you saw people wearing these around because I legitimately was sunburned, dehydrated, exhausted. I knew I had a big night coming up. All I wanted was some wings and I couldn't <laughs> find. I mean, there's so, yeah, but like that, it's, it's great. Like we've got great merch too. And maybe, you know what? Sometimes there's going to be people wearing IndyCar stuff to F1 races. Who knows? I think there's just a lot of great things. I mean, I saw a tick. I don't even have a TikTok. I saw a TikTok over the weekend. A bunch of young ladies were like, oh my gosh, Patricio Award is at this restaurant and we want to go meet him. And I'm like, you know what? Good for Pato Award. We're getting the young, you know, young crowd engaged in any way, shape, or form. And apparently TikTok is the way to do that. So if you see that on the internet, that must mean IndyCar is doing something right. We're getting to the we're getting to more people. And you know what? That's great. Good for them. You know, one thing I saw, not all the time, obviously, but I saw a decent amount last weekend, was the hybrid, right? So the kid has on a Colton Herta Andretti uh, shirt, you know, an official one that was bought from the merch trailer, but pick the Formula One team that they like, a hat, or vice versa. So, yeah, it actually... I'm not saying that's some sort of metric proving that we're pulling in a ton of F1 fans, but at least the visuals of watching folks walk around is like, oh, there's a Verstappen hat and a New Garden shirt on that kid or whatever else. So I don't know. It it at least made me smile because usually, as you know, Connor, racing fans can be tribal, right? They're going to be decked out in all their gear from one thing, one driver, one series, and that's it. Uh, Like you said, all we're trying to do is kind of open this family up. Hey, we all love racing, whatever it is, off-road, this, that, sprint, you name it. Like, you know, let's let's make this bigger like it once was when we grew up. I just love the fact that at least we're seeing, you know, folks kind of crossing those lines. I didn't see any, like... IMSA related shirts going on, unfortunately. So that would have made me happier hats, but we're getting there. Now, while we're on the merch thing, I got to ask Connor, and I'll give the shameless plug because I'm totally for it. The shop indie, the shop in indie, it's called the shop. Um, they do remarkable great stuff. I am, I am so addicted to everything they do. I get in a lot of trouble every time I'm around one of their stores. Cause I end up coming home with more clothes that I'm told I don't need, but Connor, they're, they're so comfortable. Oh, good. Connor, I know you've done a lot of collabs with them in the past. Um, Anything kind of spicy coming up for the month of May? Yes. So I decided I decided to go with uh, like a vintage kind of racing shirt that are really they're popping right now. And I chose the 1994 Mario Andretti IndyCar shape. And it's going to be like a red, white and blue. There's a lot. There's just some cool stuff coming, I think. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's very classic racing uh i'm i'm into it i wasn't into the mullet shirt and that sold a lot so maybe this one's gonna suck i don't know but i think it looks cool so a mario uh, 94 lola wow that's oh yeah that's a great choice you weren't into the mullet shirt you have been known as one of the few men in the era of today's open wheel racing to put your toes on the dirt and really dig in and run and run the dirt stuff and in that world, Rico Abreu owns the merch world, and he did a mullet hat, right? One that somebody like me with no hair would look great with because it's a hat with the sewn-in mullet. Do we have any Connor mullet hats coming? No, I think it's honestly time to get rid of it. Ever since I've had it, life has really been absolutely horrific on the racetrack. So I think it's time to 
I think it's time to call it quits on that. Uh, I was thinking about it on the flight home today, uh, but who knows? We will see if uh, if I can convince myself to, uh, to to not cut it. There is a sponsorship deal pending that they said I should keep the mullet. So maybe business pending, I will keep the mullet. But man, I'm I'm not sure if there's any any more mullet merch on the way. Connor, who is going to pay you to keep a mullet? I need to know. You'd be surprised, man. It's a wild world out there. There's right now. mullet coins somewhere. There's a digital. There's <laughs> some sort of daily. How is that not yours already? How are you not a billionaire from from Doge mullet coin or something like that? Come on, man. Uh, well, I don't know, but I still have a job, so I must be Honor, doing if something. You, <laughs> if you end up with a shitty cooler sponsor on your helmet, because and they're doing they're doing mullet decals, I'm gonna be so pumped. Like really pumped i don't know you know my whole life i thought i'm gonna definitely be a diabetic one day and i'm gonna have to like lean on connor for advice if you get a shitty cooler sponsorship i'm definitely gonna hit you up on that well you know what i'm i do consider myself a businessman so i am uh, ready to make the pitch for that type of deal hey wheeler i gotta go run downstairs uh the nice driver from southwest is here and my pelican case full of about twenty thousand dollars of uh video and camera equipment that they decided you know what it needs to kind of go see austin texas and it needs to go to denver and it needs to go to a couple places just not where you are when you land home uh the kind man is downstairs and outside with uh my my lost luggage so uh i'll be back shortly i got you buddy i uh i'm just bringing up another guest here that requested uh gg is in the house gg welcome to the show welcome to the space you've got the floor Radio check. GG, if you copy me, just hit the unmute button. You got this. All right, we're moving on. We're going to keep digging here. Bozy, you with me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm here. No, I think I think uh, the discussion has been good, and I'm always a big fan of crossover. And, I mean, we've had these conversations before, and I think it's cool. And one thing I noticed this weekend that a lot of fans may not pay attention to uh, is some of the guys that work behind the scenes. And one of the cool things is, uh, like, one of the guys that works with us uh, on the Lexus is not on the IMSA side sometimes, uh, Kyle Sagan, uh, who pits cars on the number 12 car. So our, our team car uh, is also pitting Kyle's car, I believe, an Indy car. And then I noticed some guys that pit cup cars and NASCAR uh, were also working on some stuff, uh, I think, for uh, maybe Ganassi um, this weekend. So... There's all kinds of connections. So like fans may not be aware of some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes. And I know there's some tribalism, but like we're kind of all over the place. And, you know, even just from a personal perspective, you know, I wrench on cars in IMSA, but, you know, cover stuff in NASCAR and I'm trying to get into, you know, more even dirt stuff and IndyCar. And I think it's, you know, it's beneficial to all of us to kind of work together. And I think that, you know, even though fans may be very, uh, accustomed to being behind one series or one driver, uh, behind the scenes, we're all kind of interested in what everybody else is doing because if we're passionate about this, we're going to be watching, you know, even if people, you know, are racing, I don't know, tricycles or whatever. So I think it's, I think it's, it's a good, good thing to, you know, cross over and kind of have those connections. Um, you know, you just, you, you said something there, a couple of guys that are doing pit stops in the IMSA side, pit stops in the IndyCar side, flying stuff. I need to figure out now how am I going to get Bozy in to do a tire change 
during the Indy 500. I'm down. I'm I'm always down. So if there's a contract, I'll fly in. I'm uh, I'm I'm always down to fly new stuff. And you know, Indy 500 is you know just like you know bucket list type of stuff. So uh, you know, I I I'm definitely down to pit and set up and do whatever we need to do. So that would be a that would be a fun deal. Yeah, I definitely got to work on that one. Um, so Kyle, I know you're still with us. Um, you know, you're going to test Texas this week. You know, you've got Connor in here who is a an ace on the ovals. I, I'm not lying to you. I have a pretty good view of this stuff and his, his awareness and racecraft on those things is pretty good. You know, I, we keep throwing this out there like you're this rookie that doesn't know anything and it's, it's not intentional, but we figure we want to hear the questions anyway. So you got any questions for Connor going into your big rookie test? Well, you're actually right. I know nothing when it comes to ovals, literally nothing. I've done uh, just a handful of races on ovals. One of them was gateway. And then the other one was at Lucas oil. So I've actually never even driven the Indy car with Speedway trim on it. So everything's new to me. So I'll take any advice that he's going to give me. Um, like I said earlier, I don't know how much advice he wants to give me. But I'll, obviously, a big question is the new sealer that they put on the track, right? I know that they freshened it up in this past year. And that's going to be a big question mark. I know, or well, I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think I won't actually be driving on the tire that we will race with at Texas. So that's a question mark. I don't know if he knows anything about that. So, I mean, yeah, Connor, anything you want to tell me, dude, I think everyone would love to hear it as well. Well, Kyle, don't lift until you see Jesus. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, it's a great track, uh, but honestly, that philosophy is probably not great. Actually, I did see people like, uh, even my teammate, poor Renus, he, he had a, in an accident quite early on in Texas. So, uh, I, it's just, Texas is awesome. It's fun. Uh, but it does take, you know, a few, a few, uh, rotations around that circuit to really, to, to get it, especially in dirty air. So just get in dirty air early in practice. You'll be fine. You're a talented American hero. You'll be, You'll be doing just fine as long as as long as you can keep those hands from blistering. You'll be you'll be in great shape. Cool, man. Thanks. And also, um, yeah, don't go high in one and two. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've seen. It tends not to work if you get into that sealer stuff. So my, no. my goal is uh, to not go there. It's like that. It's like that anti gravity grass in Forza, where like you get in and all of a sudden it sucks you into it, and you're like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> you know, actually, I talked to some of the NASCAR guys about it, right? And they're like, why don't you guys run it? And I, I was like, well, no one even goes there, so it never gets rubbered in. And he's like, well, if you guys went and started running it, it would actually build grip. It's it's that way, too, until we start running it. So, I mean, I am i don't know if it's if that's actually true or not for the IndyCar, but it's kind of a, a strange uh, theory or thought. I mean, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but Takuma Sato went up there one year in qualifying and went directly into the wall. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's really a great idea. I, 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 in theory, they are correct that if you do run it and apparently get the temperature up or something that it will give grip. But I tell you what, I don't want to be the first one going out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it was last year because I remember the terrible noise that it made. But they had the old tire dragger out, which they used in the drag racing world, and it had our tires on it, and it actually spins opposite direction, and they dragged this couple thousand pound weight above the tires, and they were circulating it, trying to get it to rubber in, and um, yeah, it still didn't matter. You got up there, and everybody's butthole puckered, and everybody took in a deep breath, 
And it was, are you going to make it out to the other side or not? I mean, we'll take another 2,000 pounds of downforce. We'll run anywhere on that track. So <laughs> that's all we got to have. Boys, like like you and I could dream of such beautiful things, Connor, like stack downforce at a, at a, at a, at a racetrack like that. Yep. Give me, give me uh, IndyCar at Texas 2005, maybe uh, IndyCar Kentucky, Chicago 2004, 5, 6, and uh, call me a happy spectator. These are the, these are the world that, for those of you that, don't, that maybe don't see it back then or are curious about it, it's that era of IndyCar that makes you want to be an IndyCar spotter because I can, you know, I'm sure I might have said one or two words at St. Pete that could have maybe possibly helped something. But give me the days when I needed a second battery because I'm doing my job and everything's happening that fast and we are never alone. Those, oh man, I sure do miss that stuff. There's, there's no doubt about it. But um, Wheeler, I gotta, I'm back. I gotta ask a question of Tim, Tim Durham that I want to invite Jen in to uh, speak and unmute herself. Tim, uh, the one big, big question from Sunday's race involves one of your two co-hosts. Mr. Alexander Rossi, why Tim Durham did you fail to pit him during the one and only caution of the day? This all falls on you. Why did you fail your broadcasting talent, not call him in when you were supposed to? Yeah, no, I'm glad I'm finally getting recognized as the chief strategist. I think Connor would agree. He's seen me there for years. Uh, and Marshall, it's because I was drunk. Um, that's all I got. I mean... That's what they said on the broadcast. I just want to confirm. That checks out. (laughs) Brutal. Jen, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, say hello, and and, uh, tell us what we're talking about next. Yeah, thanks, Marshall. Longtime listener, first-time caller. Yes. So specifically for Connor and Kyle, you guys have talked a lot about growing IndyCar and brand crossover and NASCAR and F1 and an IMSA shout out. So I'm just curious, sort of, if you could have a dream collab, Chris mentioned collabs, if you could have a dream collab and have anybody on your pit stand at the Indy 500 who would help grow the sport, who would you want in your pit box on race day? Like as a it, from when it comes to like a crew chief or like a, a, a like anybody drivers. that you think would grow the sport, whether it's an influencer, an athlete oh. from another sport, who do you think is going to help take IndyCar to the next level and make the race more visible? Derek Daly. That didn't work out well for anyone. Uh, let's, let's say, um, I would say whoever has the most Instagram followers and whoever has the most TikTok followers, sadly, I hate to admit that, but I don't know if the science is actually clear on that, but it's, I mean, you gotta make it seem like this is where, and, and you know what's actually cool about it? Any influencer that has been to the track, I've never seen someone leave and be like, you know what? That wasn't a great experience. Like we met a lot of people last year that were actually like really cool. And like, they do have a lot of followers and they're like, I would love to go to more IndyCar races. And like, I keep in touch with some of these people and they're like, when is the next race? Like I want to go. So like we have a product that is actually entertaining to these influencers or whoever it is. 
But, like, I think if we, like, let's say drivers, right? I want to see Kyle Larson do the Indy 500 for sure. We want to see Kyle Busch do the Indy 500. I want to see Lewis Hamilton do the Indy 500. I, will any of that happen? I don't know. You know what I mean? I think stuff like that all helps. Uh, Fernando Alonso, I think, was potentially one of the biggest, uh, you know, deals for our sport. And, and the respect that he has for the series, I think, is awesome. And, again, he's a great – I think he's a, he's a great ambassador for – motorsport as a whole so that's kind of that's kind of my i could talk about that for honestly 30 minutes but i won't <laughs> for the sake of, of tiktok would you connor daly during an 8500 pit stop unbuckle yourself jump up and stand on top of the arrow screen and do like a 12 second dance absolutely not um because i don't think that would work out strategically Maybe if it was a long yellow, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty dedicated to trying to win that race. So it does seem like that would be the losing strategy. However, if we set up some sort of a sideshow, then maybe. Jacob I'm not going to lie to you. Go, go for Connor, it, Chris. Sorry. sorry, buddy. Connor Daly says he tries really hard to win that race. I've spotted the Indy 500 for countless years. I, and, and I say countless because I'm not good at math. It's been a long time. I've been doing this. You've been hitting the head a lot, too. That is true. There's two things over the years that made a noise so loud that it startled me and it took away my attention. The first one wasn't actually maybe even a – the first one was a noise from the people around me when the first fireballs went off in the modern-day snake pit, like 30 laps into the race, and there's 80-foot flames catching everybody off guard. That freaked <laughs> out. The second one is when Connor Daly took the lead at the Indy 500 last year, and I guarantee you – if we were registering for seismic activity in Indianapolis, some guy in a control room somewhere saw that needle start to shake, and he would have thought that the the ancient frozen plates under Indiana started to shift. Well, you know what? I appreciate that. Love that uh, geographical picture you painted as well. Uh, it's def- I mean, it's the best race in the world, the greatest feeling in the world. So just have to... Lead the right ones next time. <laughs> Why don't we uh, welcome in Jacob Abel, young open wheel talent, indie lights. Why don't you unmute your unmute yourself? Why don't you bring your voice online here, Jacob, and say hi to all. Hello. Is that is that all? Just hi. Good to see you, brother. We'll uh, check Good back to you. you later. Uh, awesome. What's happening? Tell us about your. You know, let's go a little bit sideways here. Tell us about your Sunday. Obviously, we've been focused a lot on on IndyCar and whatnot. Also, uh, still want to uh, say a few words about uh, the passing of Danny Ungaius. But let's talk about Indy Lights since uh, Junior Open Wheel. Honestly, I mean, I loved working in IndyCar, but I worked in Junior Open Wheel for like three times as long. So the the Jacob Abels of the world and the Connor Dailies of the world, like where y'all come from, honestly, that that's more my home than probably IndyCar ever was. But tell us about your Sunday, brother. Yeah, to be completely honest, I mean, our whole weekend was a little bit of a letdown. Um, we qualified like 10th and just kind of hung around there, was finally starting to work my way up after a restart, uh, and then just got taken out and spun. But I think the race as a whole was actually like pretty entertaining um, in the way of Indy Lights standards. I don't know whether it was for how long it was. Um, it was 45 laps. I think it was, that was like the longest Indy Lights race that they've had in, in a long time, but it was interesting. I mean, obviously very unfortunate for like Hunter and Christian both were leading when they weren't anymore. Um, but yeah, I think as a whole, it was a pretty interesting race. I think Matt won from like sixth, which is 
really cool. I think it speaks a lot to, you know, the, the racing that was, that was there. So yeah, I think it was good. I think Indy lights as a whole is kind of on the ups, you know, with the, with the Indy car takeover for sure. What about the family team perspective going up against, you know, 73 cars from Dreddy Autosport, 947 <laughs> from HMD, GRG, GRG, HMD. I mean, you guys, you know, as well. yes, with, <laughs> uh, with, uh, and, uh, Vassar Sullivan. Yeah. Right, God, I forget. Exactly. Anyways, but tell us about that, man, because you know, uh, the big teams, obviously they have the championships, but, uh, there's nothing saying that a, a growing and emerging team like yours uh, can't take the fight to them. Yeah, I think, and that's what was a little bit more disappointing about St. Pete is because, you know, during preseason testing, it was kind of the one time that I've actually, you know, been at all of the same tests as basically all of the drivers, um, and we had timing. So we got our hopes up a little bit, to be completely honest, because, you know, we were mixing it up with them, um, you know, in the top five, top three in, in some sessions. So I think hopefully later in the year we'll be able to surprise some people i mean we have some really really good guys uh, surrounding us kent boyer is my engineer who is the engineer for bellardi uh, and all of their success you know with zach beach aaron tealitz uh santi Ruti, guys like that so you know we definitely have a, a big notebook um even though we're a first year team already even though it's a, a couple years removed but um i think we should be able to you know hopefully shock some people man i, I gotta say jacob obviously you know we uh, we talked a lot before the the weekend, and uh, I plan on us doing a lot of talking after the weekend. Still this week, but I was pretty gutted, and I wanted to apologize because I know it wasn't what you won. But man, you just got dumped, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you, it, it wasn't like a you bobbled. He he thought he tried. You did, no, he just drove in the corner and hit you, and that and that sucks. Um, I know it wasn't probably like a oh Jacob, you're my guy. I'm going to take you out now, but. Tell uh, folks I, what happened, Chris, because not not everybody saw. Oh, uh, so I mean, it's just I, what what was was that going into four? Yeah, into four. I mean, and I'll just I'll just kind of open it by saying, you know, no hard feelings at all to Kiff, and I don't think he meant to do it. Um, no. He actually, I've known him for a long time, and Kiffin's he came rookie as yeah, well. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. I mean, he came up to me after the race and apologized and all that, but yeah, obviously still still a bit of a bummer. But basically, just had a good restart, made one pass. It was actually around him. Um, and then was kind of working forward. We had really good pace. And then just going into four, he got in a little bit deep. And he was, I didn't even see him there when we entered the break zone. And then he just kind of clipped me in the right rear and spun me around. And the car didn't refire. And then it went yellow, but not yellow for long enough. And you know how that goes. Oh, that, that, was, that was the second phase. We'll get back to the whole length of yellow thing. But I, I was bummed about that because as I, as I watched your race progress, I was kind of feeling like you, you were going to be um, – in a better spot in the second half, right? You weren't, you weren't overusing the race car. Um, I mean, I'm watching all these things on all you guys and, and seeing how it's going. And then you just didn't really have the opportunity there to maybe push for that top five finish at the end. But um, the second part was the yellow. I, w- I was a bit caught off. I, I couldn't understand why they weren't going to uh, just run one more lap run one more lap under caution, let you guys pack up. It's like, it's almost like these, the silliness that we have in IndyCar now, where if you're involved in a red in practice, you get penalized. Now Sato's car was pretty well beat up, but Sato got a five minute penalty because he got hit, you know, and stuff like that doesn't make sense. So you got double penalized because race control decided we're not going to just take a deep breath and let these guys, you know, group back up and, and go again. And, and so from my aspect, I'm going to say, sorry, even though I had nothing to do with it. Cause I, I <laughs> 
yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Obviously, it would have been it would have been nice to to catch up and all that. You know, I was I'd like to say I was saving my tires a little bit. You know, everyone was like kind of a little bit worried going into the race. And I think Rasmussen saw it there at the end. I think he ran out of fuel. I think that's what happened to him. Um, but everyone was like, there's no way these cars are going to run for 45 laps on fuel. And they were like filled up to the brim. Um, we were kind of worried about tire wear uh, and all that, which actually in- didn't end up being too big of an issue. I think those Coopers are just really good at lasting for a long time. Um, so yeah, I was, I was a bit worried about all that. And so I just kind of saving for the first half of the race. And then it, didn't fall off as much and I was already, you know, 50 seconds behind or whatever it was. But anyways, I think as a whole, you know, the race, you know, my race aside, the race for Indy lights was, was pretty good though. You know, I've got one more little quick one for you. And then Marshall's got to, going to do some things here to help get us closed out. But you know, Kyle Kirkwood has been in the room. We've been talking about the advice that Kyle's been getting from guys, veterans, uh, current drivers, and, and those types of people for his rookie year in Indy car. Kyle's a, a, a Hall of Fame member of the Able Motorsports family. You know, have you been able to lean on Kyle at all for some advice as you now step into the Indy Lights world where he just came out um, on top? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kyle has been a, a good friend of mine for the past few years. So we we talk about racing every every now and then, and he's been very very helpful without without giving away too many of, of the secrets from Andretti because obviously you know he wants them to succeed as well. So uh, his his old team there, but yeah, you know he's been been super helpful and. And giving me pointers here and there. Awesome. Marshall Pruitt. Why don't we uh, give Gigi another try? I know Chris tried to cue you up uh, earlier. Gigi, if you can, unmute yourself. And uh, you might be the last question of the episode before we speak with our pal, Paul Kelly. Oh, Gigi, you're killing me. Uh, This is... Oh, oh, Lindsay. Oh, Lindsay. Oh, I think. Wait, oh, wait. Oh, we just unmuted right before he went off. Oh, well. Uh, it's hard to have both Marshall techni- technical skills and a dope profile picture. Yes, totally. Um, yeah, it's like an episode of What's Up With That. Uh, Lindsay didn't quite make the show again. Uh, Paul Kelly, my brother. Why don't you unmute yourself and talk about something a little sad, but damn it, there's been too much sadness recently with losing the heroes and legends, pioneers uh, of the sport. You wrote the obituary today for uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar Series on Mr. On the Gas, Danny Ungaius, and I know that we have a lot of listeners here who might have learned about Mr. Ungaius for the first time reading uh, uh, your obituary and, and maybe some of the others that have been written. But tell me, tell us, give us a picture of this incredible man who laughed at fear uh, well, every day of his life. Yeah, thanks, Marshall. Yeah, I've been, I've been writing too many of these obituaries lately. Our heroes are leaving us too quickly. But um you know, it's kind of funny when I, I was doing all the research on this, um, I found out late last night and I started doing research and, you know, when you think of the most versatile American race car drivers of all time, the names, the, the usual suspects pop up quickly, AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, Parnelli Jones, um, Danny on has to be on that list. He has to be on that list with those guys. And some people are like, what? hundred percent. He 
won a Hawaii State Motorcycle Championship at age 18. He won the U.S. Nationals in a funny car, drag racing, the Indy 500 of drag racing in 1968 for Mickey Thompson. He won the Rolex 24 at Daytona back then when it was just called the 24 Hours of Daytona in a badass Porsche 935 with uh, Hurley Haywood. And, um, and, and he also, he won six, seven uh, USAC races, including five in one season. Uh, he set with Mickey Thompson more than 300 land speed records in a Ford Mustang at Bonneville. I mean, this guy could drive anything and everything, and there was one common denominator. He was fast as hell. That's why they called him the Flying Hawaiian or On Gas or On the Gas. Uh, Danny, I don't think Danny knew much about the brake pedal. Uh, he pretty much had the throttle pedal welded to the floor. And uh, he was just fast. I mean, he was, uh, he was in the center of the, of the uh, first all 200-mile-an-hour front row at Indy. In 78, next to another guy named who had gas in his nickname, the gas man, Tom Sneva. And then there was there was some rookie who started in the third position. And nobody had ever really heard of him. And I don't think he ever did anything after that either. His name was Rick Mears. So that that's pretty good front row. Um, you know, unfortunately, because Danny held the throttle wide open so often, he was known almost as much for some of his some of the crashes he he suffered as as some of the wins and the speed uh you know the crash he had at 81 in indy was horrific i mean one of the worst that anybody's ever seen that that you know driver survived and then he had the the accident at michigan where he hit the back of phil Kruger's slower car on the backstretch and did a barrel roll in the air um so you know when you when you're that fast and that fearless like you said that sadly sometimes is the outcome but the, yeah i don't think people appreciate how versatile he was and how fast he was and um he was just a hell of a racer he was a racer's racer and you know he didn't attract any attention to himself he was incredibly quiet like there was a story that very shy very very shy like he, he, people forget another anecdote about danny that he was scheduled to drive for Penske in 87 and he did. He drove for Roger in 87 uh, with help from Interscope records. You know, everybody remembers those famous Interscope record cars um, of the mid eighties. They're always trick and trimmed out beautifully. And anyways, he drove for Roger and Roger, I, I saw Roger quoted once as saying like, I, I don't even, this guy, I don't even know if he's married. I don't even know if he has any kids. He just doesn't, he doesn't say anything to anybody. And he didn't talk to the media much at all. He just didn't, he was uncomfortable. He was really super quiet. So he didn't attract a lot of attention himself or get a lot of attention. Um, but, you know, another anecdote about Danny that people forget is that how, um, you know, two incidents kind of created history at the Indianapolis 500, two incidents that, he was either directly or indirectly involved with him. One was in 87. He was in a car for Penske and he crashed during practice and he had a concussion and he was ruled out by the Speedway medical staff for the rest of the month. Well, that car was trashed. So who did they, who did Roger hire to take, take Danny's spot? A guy named Al Unser. Where did they find a car? In the lobby of the Sheraton in Reddington, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And that, Al Unser took Danny on Gaius's place in 87, 
took the backup car, which was a show car, in early May in the hotel lobby of a Sheraton in Reading, Pennsylvania, where Team Penske used to be located. The rest is history. Al got his fourth win. And I think a lot of people may remember here because uh, people are of a certain age that in 96, Scotty Brayton won the pole. And then a few days later in practice, sadly, um, suffered fatal injuries in a crash. And John Menard, who did he name to take Scotty's place in that car? But Danny on guys. And Danny was 54 years old at the time. He hadn't been in the 500 since 86. It had been 10 years. So when Menard put Danny in the car, people were like, what? I- I didn't even know he was still around, you know? I mean, and Danny started last in the field, 33rd, because it was a it was a backup car, and he drove it all the way to seventh in his final in his final Indy 500. So that just shows you how talented, how versatile, just how damn fast he was. And, and I just, you know, he is in the American Motors, the Motorsports Hall of Fame in, of America for drag racing. Again, that's how versatile and talented this guy was. So, uh, a real loss to our community. And, uh, you know, if there's still any, uh, brown liquid left from, uh, birthday celebration and McLaughlin's win celebration, pour one out tonight for Danny on guys. No, definitely brother. The couple things to add to that. And it's beautiful. Thank you, PK. Uh, I actually think of Danny first in black interscope Porsche 935s and that's, to your point about his versatility, a lot like a Dan Gurney as well, or back then a Jimmy Clark and so on, uh, preceding Danny a bit. But depending on where you saw these amazingly universally skilled drivers, your mental image of them would be radically different from others. So some might think of Danny in an Interscope-sponsored IndyCar, Others might think of him as the drag racer. What a phenomenal talent in life to know that you are recognized, you know, maybe like a famous actor who's been doing it for a long time at a high level and folks associate that person with a movie franchise or maybe a TV show. That person is a different person for almost everybody who got to see them because they were so spread across so many genres. But the other thing that I loved about Danny, and maybe this, it's the polar opposite of a Kyle Kirkwood, for example, or Bozy. This is, I'm sure, polar opposite of most of the drivers you've worked with. Uh, we think of someone like Kyle, who just lives all the minutiae, whether it is simulator at home or, or the multi-axis proper driver in the loop simulator time, iRacing, crushing data constantly, like just a true professor of data and knowledge and vehicle dynamics and all those things, right? That's the modern era driver. Danny Hungaius didn't know any of that at all. Oh, it has wheels on it? Cool. Hey, do you remember to put the motor in? Eh, you know, whatever. This guy was such a unicorn because he produced million zillion mile an hour laps. People hired him left and right because he was so blindingly fast and could not tell you a thing about what the car was doing. <laughs> uh, you know, a couple words here, there, that was his reputation. He'd give the crew chief, chief mechanic, what we'd call today the engineer, you know, a couple thoughts here, there, but he was not the guy who is going to drastically improve the vehicle uh, 
like a Kyle from just pouring in tons of feedback. This was the guy who would climb in, drive the wheels off the thing, sometimes into the wall and generally the wheels off the thing. But I always love that about him because I've never understood those drivers who have no real connection to the car and what's happening, but can just go to these outer extremes of performance and dazzle us. So big props to him. Uh, He did stuff that um, we're never going to see again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and Danny still to this day is the only, only native Hawaiian to race in the Indianapolis 500. So I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, we talk about, like I said, the, the international field. Connor was talking about early the international field. Well, he is the only the only Hawaiian native to ever race in the Indianapolis 500. Not a, do we have any Hawaiians in the pipeline? I mean, Kiffin Simpson's from the Cayman Islands, but that's not that's not Hawaii. So I that that record could stand for a while. I think. Well, Paul, I, I got to tell you two things on that. One, first, I've actually. Uh, your your depiction there, your description, your how you just did what you did, and explaining this to a lot of people and who Danny was that that's that's great. And without guys like you, who have the knowledge and the history and, and and the desire to share it, right? A lot of people don't get to hear these great stories. Um, Go I, ahead, Wheeler, say it. I'm old. No, it's cool. <laughs> you're, you may I've been be around old, a long time. You may be old, but you're way cooler <laughs> than me. Um, the the reality though is that I I to this day. Because my parents did the stickers, did the graphics from their from their small little place there, on the west side of Indy, did the decals for Team Menard, and um, I'll never forget, you know, coming home that day in '96 um, after Scott's crash at Indy, and um, I'll also never forget when the somebody from Menard came to the house the next day to to get the decal order made for the new driver, and. Uh, it was it was at that age, wow. and I didn't I didn't have Wikipedia, mm. right? I didn't have Google to say who's this Danny Young guy. I was a kid. I didn't have the the tools that we have now to be able to instantly know something about somebody, and um, it, it took research and the stories I heard as a kid, you know, and people like Poncho Carter um, and some of the other legends of the Speedway telling the stories. Um, you know, Robin, what he would share as I got older, and I'd I'd ask questions to him and things from my youth that I still didn't have clarity on. And Danny and Gaius was one of them at one point. And so I'm just glad you were here to to share that, man. That's really cool. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Hey, Chris, why don't, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Marshall, you are old though. Just to be clear about that though, too. Durham, Durham, I'm going to fart. He's younger than me, Durham. He's younger than me. I am so farting in your general direction. Next time I see you. Um, Wheeler, why, uh, why don't you take us home here in just a sec? Uh, but first, I want to ask Bozy to uh, share with everyone here what you got coming on the next episode of Racing Spaces. And for those who aren't aware, I'm sure you already are. But if you aren't, um, that is somebody whose uh, Twitter product you need to consume. So uh, give us some insight here. Tell them where they can find you, when, uh, the where's. Sorry, don't need to do that. We got that part figured out. But the win, what you got coming for the next episode, brother? I appreciate that. I've enjoyed uh, joining here tonight. I've had some of these conversations with Wheeler, and I've caught a few minutes here and there what you guys have been doing. And it's been really cool. I think uh, that a lot of people uh, don't necessarily get right into 
Twitter spaces and how it works out. But I think you guys have just like really had a successful launch from, you know, with all this stuff from what I've heard. So that's been really cool. And I appreciate uh, you inviting me up on the stage. But uh, we do kind of uh, similar stuff, but jump all over the place. And uh, I typically run one of these on uh, Tuesday nights. So if you guys want to hear about sometimes a little bit of IndyCar, NASCAR, IMSA, whatever, you know, just kind of, you know, do stuff. And we also have, you know, uh, uh, Tim Durham stops by with, you know, similar commentary, uh, you know, in our space sometimes. And so it's I'm it sorry. comic relief, you know, so it's a little bit of everything, but uh, no, we'll, you know, do some, some of that stuff uh, tomorrow night. So if you guys want to hear about some of the other series, uh, you know, drop on by, but I appreciate you guys uh, letting me join and, uh, you know, ask some questions. And uh, the, the one thing, my parting thought is that Wheeler is somehow two weeks younger than me. And I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I, I, I then I had forgotten about that. And I was reminded about that tonight. And so that's going to be something that I'm going to contemplate now for a little while. But he looks 19 years older than you, Posey. So you're, you're like you're doing it. It's the it's the brilliant Serbian genes. Wheeler's a mutt. I don't know where he's from, but uh, you, you're killing it, Posey. So you're you're good. I appreciate that. I, I just I just I tried to keep the same uh, same type of haircut as him, but I haven't been able to achieve that. You know, type. <laughs> of, I don't know exactly what, what he's doing, but his his version is definitely better than mine. Hair Club for Men, member number one, Christopher Wheeler, boys and girls. Did we lose you, Wheeler? Where'd you go? I'm just sitting here smiling from ear to ear, buddy. All right, brother. Well, take us home. Take us home. All right, everybody. Well, for Kyle Kirkwood, who was a co-host tonight, all the great guests that we've had on, myself, I'm Chris Wheeler, my co-host. That is Marshall Pruitt. I want to thank you guys for stopping in here to the hashtag Racing Family Show on Twitter Spaces. I don't know when we're going to be back. It's probably going to be tomorrow. Heck, it might be by breakfast. I'm not sure. I'm at the second happiest place in the world, Disney World. Marshall's back home with his family. And until we see you again, there's a few rules you need to follow. One, don't eat yellow snow. It's not healthy for you. Two, be kind, be friendly, and go support all your friends and family. Tell them you love them, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>